You're listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9 FM, WTGZ, Tuskegee, Auburn, and AM620 WTRP, LaGrange. Since 1995, Alabama's sports talk leader, Tiger Communications, proudly presents Sports Call. It's time to join our Sports Call crew as they discuss the latest headlines and happenings around Auburn and the entire sports world. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. We're taking phone calls all show long and want to talk about whatever you've got on your mind. And now, coming to you live from the loveliest village on the plains, Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call. Welcome, Auburn, into the Friday edition of Sports Call, live on Tiger 95.9, the Tiger.fm, and the Tiger Communications app. My name is Ryan Lavoy. Today, I'm joined by Cam Berry and Brooks Childress. Brooks, for the first couple of hours, of our program today, Cam, for the duration, as we are with you till 6 p.m. here on this Friday edition of the program. And of course, all about college football today. Maybe have a little bit more of a follow up on the Michigan news. We talked a little bit about that towards the end of yesterday, but predominantly previewing Auburn and Ole Miss, previewing some of the big matchups in the SEC and across college football this weekend. There's a top 10 battle. In the Big Ten between Penn State and Ohio State. There's the third Saturday in October game between Alabama and Tennessee. And, of course, there's a big one in the ACC, number four, Florida State, number 16, Duke. Yes, I did not stutter. That is a big one in the ACC. And another good one in the Pac-12, number 14, Utah, number 18, USC. So a little bit of everything from all the conferences except for the Big 12 this weekend. So we'll catch you up to speed with uh, what's going to go on this weekend in college football. And, of course, again, have a lot of Auburn Ole Miss thoughts as we get set for a game about 27 hours from now inside of Jordan-Hare Stadium. If you want to give us a call today on the Orthopedic Clinic phone line, 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free, 1-888-9-TIGER-9. Ryan, Cam, and Brooks with you here on this Friday. Today, I'll start with you, Brooks. How are you this afternoon? I am doing great. It is uh, great to be finally gotten to Friday. Um, can't wait to get into this weekend of full of football. You got a lot of NFL football on Sunday. Got a lot of college football tomorrow. And so we can't wait to get to all that. Can't wait to talk about all of it. Uh, and, and yeah, it's a, uh, it's a big weekend. There's, there's, like you said, there's a little something, there's a little sprinkling across every, almost every conference. Uh, so I uh, can't wait to, to dive into all of that. Can't wait to uh, chop it up with you guys for a little bit before I'm chop heading out to uh, to the high school ranks tonight for uh, Beauregard High School football that you can hear right here on Tiger 95.9. Uh, and, of course, as always, can't wait to talk to all of our callers and see what they have to say ahead of this uh, this big game in Jordan here tomorrow night. Absolutely expecting another sold-out crowd tomorrow night inside of Jordan here Stadium. You know, a lot of people come into town, a lot of people excited about it. We've had the opportunity earlier this week on two different days to give away tickets to the game and i know we had a lot of participation in that and appreciate everyone for calling in trying to get their hands on those cam Barry also on the show here this afternoon cam how are you a little tired but doing great uh it's, it's like like brooks said it's friday and and there is no better day except maybe saturday because there's going to be a lot of sports on um and, and uh 
you know, good. Just just enjoying a great Friday. And it's also always good when your uh, division rivals lose the night before, uh, alluding to the Saints. Uh, as as uh, Ryan and I's division rivals, he's a as y'all know, Tampa fan, and me a big old Falcons fan. So, uh, yeah, uh, tough loss for them last night uh, against the Jags. Had multiple probably opportunities to win, honestly, and uh, the the Jags even had a couple turnovers as well. So, you know, just a, a frustrating loss probably if you're a Saints fan. You had an opportunity to win and couldn't close it out, but. Um, I'm doing great, uh, ready to talk it, talk all college football and maybe some professional football if we get to it with you guys. And uh, yeah, let's go for it here on this Friday. And go for it on fourth down is something that Lane Kiffin likes to do a lot. And uh, Ole Miss coming to town this weekend uh, for another interesting matchup, a game that if it was away from Auburn, uh, would not be anticipated to go well, but being inside of Jordan Hare Stadium is meaningful and it is impactful, and uh, we'll see what kind of role it plays. We've been talking all week about what we would like to see in a perfect world. Well, obviously it's not a perfect world because Auburn's not going six and zero right now, but uh, uh, in a perfect world from here on out, what the offense should look like and the personnel and mainly the quarterback and that sort of thing. And we're going to kind of shift away from that because at this point, as we preview the game, that's just not what's going to happen. I think we're all on the board of a lot more running and really no no more needed to see out of Peyton Thorne and that sort of thing. That's our opinion of what should happen. That's not what's going to happen on Saturday. Peyton Thorne will be starting. Robbie Ashford will play some, uh, and that's how Hugh Freeze is going to roll with it here for the seventh game of the year. So, working with what you got. You got Peyton Thorne going to play some more quarterback for Auburn on Saturday. Uh, I'm not even sure what the question here is in that because you had a opportunity last week against a porous pass defense to – try to sling it around a little bit. You were even kind of egged on to do so by the fact that LSU took a, a large lead early. And yet Auburn as a team still at only 150 passing yards and Peyton Thorne himself at 102 yards. And again, just not a lot of uh, a lot of much of a high ceiling on his production output. So with Peyton Thorne out there, I don't know. What, what, what is the most reasonable course of action for Auburn to try to call, to try to Make offense. I mean, I, I'm dumbing it down as much as I can. How can they move the football when Peyton Thorne is in the game? Oh, man. I, I guess you just got to figure figure a way to get the run game going, right? I mean, I mean, lean on your running backs. Lean on Peyton's ability to use his legs. Uh, it really seems like that's been the thing that has been surprising and most successful with him is his ability to run the football. So maybe use that to your advantage. Um at least having Robbie in, even though he hasn't been a great and accurate passer, uh, it still can keep the defense guessing because it is, it's going to definitely present that, hey, he might drop back to pass. At least when you have Robbie in there, you know, we've already talked about, even though it's still really at this point the same, uh, it seems like Robbie's really just going to be mainly a runner. And you know, when Peyton's in the game, there's at least a chance to throw. And with Robbie, it's just not that high. I think he's, a, I don't even know, he hasn't even. Uh, attempted near as many passes obviously um, but when he's in the game it's it's almost always going to be a run so use 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 Peyton's legs uh, and see if maybe that can open up some things for you um, that that's really that's really all I can go from I mean lean on the run game that's that's really 
as best as you can do right now. But, I mean, the, the passing game is just not there. It's just not. Same question to you, Brooks, and then I'm going to have a follow-up. So, offensively, what should it look like? How would you try to make yards? You can't say, no Peyton Thorne, get him out of here. No. can't say that. That's not going to be what happens on Saturday. With Peyton Thorne a part of the offense, what are you doing to try to make yards score points? Uh, I, I, I'm a same boat as Cam. I think that you need to run the ball, uh, be effective with it, because we've we've tried the pass game. You, you've tried it over and over, and it's just it's not getting better. I still think you need you know don't abandon it altogether. Obviously, you still need to keep the defense uh, on their toes a little bit, but I think a, a healthy rotation between the two quarterbacks would also be good. Um, I just you just need to figure out that. Uh, what you know? What a lot of people are you know look at over the uh, last few times that you've tried this. You know, both quarterbacks in and out, in and out. If one of them is on a roll, don't throw the other one back in there. Just you know, like we saw it a couple times last week in that LSU game. Robbie would come in to start a drive, and he'd be moving the ball. The team would be moving the ball, and then they throw Peyton back out there, and it would kind of mess up the whole the rhythm of of what was going on in that drive. So I think you need to have a healthy balance there. Where yeah, we're going to play both quarterbacks, but if you know it may not necessarily be the you know the game plan to say hey we want to run you know we, we keep going with uh, with this drive we want to you know switch Peyton a, a couple plays into this drive well if you know Robbie is going you know it starts a drive and he's going and it feels like you've got momentum don't pull him out and and, and mess with that mojo going on same thing with uh with Peyton if Peyton looks like he's moving that ball down the field don't immediately say hey Robbie get in there and do because it could you know it's it's gonna it may mess up that flow a little bit um so I think running the football uh, it, w- with a little bit of uh, pass in there, not as heavy as you've seen it uh, a couple times this year, and then whatever you need to do to make sure that the the drive continuity uh, continues, no matter which quarterback is in there. Don't just you say don't just pull a quarterback because that's what the game plan says. If X quarterback has the the drive going, leave them in there. So you're kind of scratching a little bit. You're a little bit like a, a raccoon right now. You're kind of scratching a little bit at what I would like to point out is, so you've predetermined that both quarterbacks are going to play and that there's a package for Robbie. And all year we've kind of been talking about the package for Robbie. is actually, uh, you know, it, it needs to look a certain way, but it's actually been okay in the red zone when they actually get there. They just don't get there very often. I mean, it certainly was good against Georgia. Uh, it was good against the lesser teams. But what what you're hitting on there is something that I think that I would like to see changed. And this is coming from someone, again, that does not want to see Peyton Thorne at quarterback anymore, period. But if you're going to play Peyton Thorne, what does it do for his confidence, his psyche, and the flow of the offense that you have made 40 or 50 yards finally with Peyton Thorne leading the offense, you get to the 20-yard line, and then here comes the Robbie Ashford package. And I know it's been effective, okay? So I'm not arguing against that this is clearly going to be more effective. That's not what I'm arguing. I'm simply talking about the act of when someone like Thorne, who has struggled all year, is finally having a productive drive or a productive moment, at his very most productive moment, you are now taking him out. And so, in his mind, he hasn't led a touchdown drive. He's led a half a drive because Ashford and company are the ones that finished it. And so, unless you have a 30 or 40-yard play, 
of which this offense is not capable of doing very yeah. often at all, you, he is never going to be the one on the field when Auburn scores the touchdown. Or uh, if you do that package enough. Now, if you get back to third and goal at the nine, well, you've, you're have you going to put Thorne on there now because it's an obvious passing situation, but he just sat a couple plays. Uh, and so the, the thing is, is that when you've got a quarterback that's clearly not handling much of anything well and is certainly not handling and not able to keep any rhythm once he's pulled – just going to that package is already breaking the rhythm, even if it's pre-planned, because those guys have not been able to handle it. And in a perfect world, like, yeah, you can tell this guy, he knows his role, 20 to 20, you're going to be in, and then the other guy, he's just really good in this spot. But in reality, they've just not been able to handle that. And Thorne has not been able to handle that. And they don't get enough opportunities, by the way. I mean, it's not even like this is a, I'm drawn from a huge sample size here. But it's not like they even produce enough opportunities to have, you know, a, a bunch of huge statistics on it. But it just feels to me that if you're worried about someone's rhythm and you've been pulling people all year and going left and right and left and right, then even if it is kind of understood, it would be good for Peyton just to stay on the field and let the drive finish. Uh, if he's gotten you down there, just try to figure out 20 more yards without point. Ashford. That's a really good um, point. And so as much as that's not my preference on on how I would like to play offense for the entirety of a 60-minute game. Hot-hand offense. Right. Yeah, you know, like it's just – at no point can you say, "Oh yeah, when this when this rotates to this quarterback, it's it's money every single time." Because it's not like Ashford's been perfect either. When in his opportunities, he's had successful moments. But I, I just think that for the flow of an offense, it, it would just it, I would just want to see. I, I'm not even gonna I'm not even gonna have a, a brashful prediction that you leave him out there one time they score and all of a sudden he's unlocked. I'm not. I'm not even going to go there. I just want to see how he responds to actually completing a successful drive and if that will lead to another successful drive. If it doesn't, then, again, that goes back to the original point, my original belief that he's just it's not, it's not the right guy. Yeah. Um, but I, I think that these guys have just not been able to handle that rotation in any form or any fashion. And when someone ha when someone throws for ninety yards in a game, I mean, let's be real. If someone throws for ninety yards in a game, and they've had two or three successful passes, that's like a third of their output for the yeah. entire game. Yeah. And then you're pulling them. And so what 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 little success you had goes by the wayside because you aren't even a part of the actual culmination of the drive. So that is something that I know that again I don't think they'll do that, but. Knowing that Peyton Thorne's going to play, that's how I would do it. And I would try to stay away from Ashford unless you had like third and goal at the one. Then maybe you can justify it. Or, you know, really early in a drive, third and one at the 29 or something, under your own 29, own 34, whatever. But otherwise, if someone's got 40 or 50 yards of driving, even if it's mostly handoffs, just leave them out there. Yeah, let it, let it be. So I it just... I don't know. It, it, it again, that, and I'm not saying that's foolproof, but I, I would. That's what I would like to see uh, occur. That is different than uh, what we have been seeing because there's not any one concept. Like, okay, here's my follow up. I finally got there. Uh, <laughs> the follow up is 
if Peyton Thorne is going to be having a, a respectable amount of pass attempts, I, I don't know if it'll result in yards. I don't know what that will look like. If you have 60 plays, is that 20 versus 40 runs? I don't know. Then what is the package to do that with? Like what what receivers do you trust? What receivers give you the best confidence, the most confidence that someone would be able to be open or someone would be able to be a viable target for Peyton Thorne? What's your what's your three to four passing three, targets that you feel more most confident four, in? And they have to be on our on Auburn's roster, right? <laughs> yeah, that's so it's not Franklin of Ole Miss. Okay, or, three yeah, to four. Yeah. That's a that's a. I mean, Jay Fair, Revolver yeah. Fairweather. Yeah, I agree. I'll I'll give Shane Hooks, even though give he, him he's, the benefit of the yeah, doubt. He's he has been. It's been disappointing, but I'll I'll give and um, uh, and Javarius Johnson. Sure, yeah. two slot type guys, yeah. but I mean been productive in that yeah. position, relatively that's, speaking. That's, that's so no tie, So I guess Fairweather tied yeah, in there. Fairweather. You were not enamored by Brandon Fraser last week. I was not. No, <laughs> sorry. Even though he had a couple, it was of a good moments. throw from yeah. Robbie and a good catch from from Fraser, uh, but no. <laughs> Brooks, same three or four. Um. So would you just would you just flip it to Batie in the flat and hope the receivers block? Fair. Yeah. Uh. uh Fairweather. Uh. Uh. uh Jay Fair as well. Um. Javarius Johnson, I'll tell you what, he he hasn't given me anything to prove that he can be this guy, but I still love the the height on uh, Nick Mardner. Like, he's just, he's so tall. He's 6'6". If he could, you know, I... I I really, I really think he could be a guy if he he could just you know get a few quality catches and that he could be one of these guys that you're the the fifty fifty guy that you're looking for in this offense that you could throw it downfield and know that he can go up and get a get a ball. But again, he's just he hasn't proven a lot to to any uh, this year. Um, so that's who I want to say is Nick Mardner. Um, I do like the Batie. I'm not sure he has a catch this yeah, year. I'm going to double, I'm gonna double does check not. that. And, and it, he does not have a catch this I year? don't think so. I'm, I'm, I'm pretty sure he doesn't. I see, I've yeah, seen pulled him up. He does not time. have a catch this does year. He have, does he have a target? Yeah, he had two a, targets two, last week. Two. I do recall. Okay, okay. You're probably thinking, Brooks, like, hey, if you're going to do these RPOs where the, the pass yeah. option is like a one-on-one fade, like, let me throw it in my tallest dude. Yeah, that's exactly. Exactly. You know, because I, I, I just love his height. But, he, again, that's who I want to say, but he just hasn't given me anything. Um, so I, I like I, I like what you threw out there, the 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 Batie going out and just helping people block for him. <laughs> but I, I'll also uh, I, I also like giving the benefit of the doubt to, to Shane Hooks. And, you know, another guy I want to give the benefit of the doubt to here would be maybe Coy Moore. Uh, he, he had a couple, you know, you, you think back to last year's LSU game. He had a couple big catches in that LSU game last year. Um, and then he, there was disaster also in that LSU yes. game from yeah, He from also him. had a disaster. Uh, yeah. But I, I still think there's something there. He was recruited to LSU for a reason. And I, I just feel like there's there's something there that, that, could, that, that could open up at some point. But... He's just got to be on the field. Some of these guys, it's it's you got to be on the field, and you've you've got to get a you've you've got to have a uh, you've got to have more playing time too. So I pulled up the receiver stats because I did want to confirm or deny if Marner had a catch this year, and again he does not. And that I've lingered on the on the stat sheet too long. 
and man, it's oh, no. depressing. <laughs> oh, no. There's only two guys with double-digit catches this year. They played six games. There's only one other guy with more than six catches. So three guys on the entire team are averaging more than 1.0 catches a game. That is Jay Fair, who has 21 catches, 232 to lead the team. Rivaldo Fairweather, 16 catches, 153. And then Shane Hooks, 8 catches, 106 yards, which there very easily could be an Ole Miss receiver that has 8 catches for 106 yards yeah. on Saturday. Oh, yeah. Like, just to, just to put that in perspective, I believe LSU had a receiver that was around – I think Neighbors was around 90 yards. I don't know if he got to 100. Uh, their, their wide receiver, Lacey, had over 100 yards. Kyron Lacey, yeah. yeah uh, he did. He had yeah. 4 catches, 111. Yep. So Kyron Lacey produced as more yards than Shane Hooks had in 6 games so far. Uh, so – it, it's just brutal any way you look at it. That's why I'm just searching for what puts you in. It's still ultimately not a great position, but what's like the the lesser of all the evils. Um, but yeah, I think fair hooks, fair weather, and then the fourth person, I don't know, maybe Malcolm Johnson Jr. Yeah. I mean, you're looking maybe. at he's fourth on the team. <laughs> it's just. These numbers are ugly. Uh, it's fourth on the team in receiving yards with 72. That's <laughs> throwing three abysmal, catches. man. Yeah. It, that's abysmal. Again, th- there's no passing production to be found it's anywhere. It's, that's, that's painful to yeah. hear. Yes, it is. Uh, yes, it is. Only Jay Fair has more than one receiving touchdown. He has two, two. receiving touchdowns. Yeah. All right. Going to take fantastic. take first time out of the program today. Start to regroup a little bit. More Auburn Ole Miss preview ahead, and a little bit later, we'll preview some of the other matchups going on in the SEC and in college football. You're listening to the Friday edition of Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Looking for another way to listen to our show? Be sure to download the Tiger Communications app and listen to Sports Call wherever you go. Follow Sports Call on Twitter at SportsCallAU. Like us on Facebook at SportsCallAU. Welcome back to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Ryan LaVoy, Cam Berry, Brooks Childress with you here on this Friday edition of the program. If you want to give us a call today, 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free, 1-888-9-TIGER-9. Talking Auburn Ole Miss. Told you on the other side of that break about the abysmal passing numbers, receiving numbers, anything to do with the passing game numbers for Auburn. On the flip side of things, Ole Miss this year, they have – Running a little less effectively than years past. However, they have gotten a little bit more out of Jackson Dart so far. He's taking pretty good care of the ball. Uh, he's been a dual-threat guy. I don't think people realize how good of a runner Dart is. Very good runner. Um, at, at 300 yards already this year. And I think he ran for about six or 700 last year. So yep. so Dart is absolutely not quite Jaden Daniels level, but he's – Dual-threat. It's, it's – uh, 
it's absolutely something you're going to have to account for if you're Auburn's defense. Uh, if you're looking at it from Auburn's defensive point of view of what Ole Miss is going to try to do, Cam, uh, what are you most worried about as you're trying to figure out how to defend Ole Miss? So, again, I still think that the DBs are 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 pretty good, honestly. You really – when you think about it, I know I know LSU got up early, but going into the fourth quarter, they only had 20 points, correct? Is They only had – Maybe I'm wrong. I don't. I, going. It, into, it was they scored the 27 point. I thought late third quarter. Late third quarter. Yeah. Okay, so I, I think it was still within the third quarter. They don't. They didn't score 28 in the fourth. Okay. Okay. So they they scored just a lot in the fourth. Play. Yeah. No, they still scored. Yeah, because they scored. Remember, they scored four straight possessions. Uh, once it was 20 Correct. to 10, they Correct. then scored four straight touchdowns. Yeah. Right. And I know the, uh, again the defense. They said that they didn't live up to their standards. I think you find a way to keep Jackson Dart in contain. He has taken care of the ball pretty well this season, uh, and they do have pretty talented wide receivers. But, again, I still think that our defensive back room is is still really deep and really good, and and that's the best unit on this team besides maybe the running backs. But, again, the, the running back room has kind of been disappointing this year. They haven't really had near as much production as we were expecting them to have. Um so I, I'm thinking that if you're the defense, you just want to, again, keep keep Jackson Dart in the pocket, hope you can get some coverage sacks, and and kind of work from there. Because I, 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 their run game has been fine. You know, it's not been the usual high, high explosive run game that Lane Kiffin has kind of really been known for. Um, but I, I think their passing game is really much more of a threat, in all honesty, than, than their run game this year. Uh, so I, I think you have to really try to uh, account for that and, and make uh, Peyton – or not, excuse me, not Peyton. Made Jackson Dart make some decisions, throw out some good coverages, some confusing coverages if you're Ron Roberts, and uh, hope that you, some of your, your pass rushers will be able to get home. Yeah, I mean, on the season, Ole Miss is still technically averaging less rushing yards per game yeah. than Auburn is. Auburn about 191 a game, Ole Miss about 183. For reference, LSU's over 210. Uh, this season so and there's still another SEC team above them Tennessee I think people don't realize how good they run the ball at over 230 yards a game but certainly Ole Miss tries to run the ball a lot like that's not it's not something that they are too eager to get away from Uh, Kiffin has really liked their run concepts and also when you go up tempo again the it's not the not so secret is when you go up tempo you're not exactly usually pulling out a full chest of plays after that you're usually something pretty simple because you're just trying to bank on the defense being misaligned or being tired not ready etc and so you usually run or you have a quick screen or quick slant a quick rpo something like that you're usually not just chucking it down the field on up tempo stuff on first down but you know i think that auburn has a pathway i was saying this earlier this week to be able to for some situations, they give you a chance. Uh, LSU, they did not give themselves a chance. LSU uh, mowed over them. They only punted once and then they had the turnover. Every other drive, they scored. Uh, and that turnover drive, they had moved the ball into Auburn territory. So they were going to basically not score one time if not for the turnover. I don't think that will happen. I think that the, the crowd will make a difference and Auburn's defense will be I pumped agree. up. Yes. But here's the problem, and this is why I have a trouble – 
kind of going to Auburn's going to just absolutely be able to just hold Ole Miss at bay all game the way they did back in 21 when they only allowed 20 points to a team that scored 40 points a game. Right. The reason I don't see that is because Auburn does not have a pass rush this year. Right. I believe it's 12 sacks in six games, so it's two sacks a game. Like On the surface, it doesn't feel like that bad, but if you are – and I can tell you this too, and you can just watch the eye test – it's not really your defensive ends or defensive linemen producing those 12 sacks. It's your linebackers and safeties. Yes. And blitzes. When, what, right. Yeah. And that's what that tells me is you have to generate the pressure. It does not come naturally for Auburn's defense. And so that can be a problem because what I think of when I think of the last 10, 15 years of Auburn football I've watched that I can put great recollection to, I can think of when Auburn gets very excited, I can see D. Ford or Carl Lawson or Corey Lemonier or Marlon Davidson or whoever flying off that edge, Derek Hall recently, flying off that edge and whipping a quarterback in the backfield. And that is what feels like Auburn had done so well for the last 10, 15 years was they they may not have awesome DBs that that went on to the NFL. They may not have linebackers that, although they're great tacklers, great in college, not not a lot of linebackers translating to the NFL. But their defensive ends did in in a lot of in a lot of senses. D four played a while in the NFL. Carl Lawson's still in the NFL. Uh, I know Marlon Davidson's kind of struggling to find his way. I know he's not a defensive end, but Derek Brown, yeah. obviously up front. Like up front, Auburn's dudes have been able. Lemonier was in the league a while. Uh, these last ten to fifteen years, those guys played in the league and they played for a while. And so Auburn does not have that. And I'm not sure how you can consistently stop someone, even at home, that is potent at offense without the negative plays. If Ole Miss, if you're if you're a good offense like Ole Miss, and you're always operating from a a Maybe not advantageous because maybe it's not third and two, maybe it's not second and four, but it's never second and thirteen. It's never third and ten, and it's never these real negative situations. Good offenses will convert those from time to time, and we saw that even in the Georgia game, Auburn did force some third and longer. So they they yeah. forced some third and eights and nines and tens, and then the best player on the field took over, but also he took over because you did not get enough pass rush Agreed. to disrupt the 15-yard post or the or the 15-yard out from the for another receiver on the sideline like McConkey or something like you could not disrupt uh, the play enough to where those routes ended up getting to develop and then they those great players made great plays and so that is my that's the fault in this Auburn defense is actually was inverted last year they couldn't stop the run they were not good up front and that they were not stopping the run but they could get pressure from time to time it's been flipped this year they're doing a pretty good job LSU game notwithstanding they're doing a pretty good job up the middle their linebackers getting involved their safeties getting involved but they are not able to generate the pressure to take advantage of big negative plays and generate them and that's why it's hard for me to see for four quarters, Auburn just consistently stopping Ole Miss, consistently getting them behind the change. And that's another thing is like, okay, fourth and one, fourth and two, you need that penetration up front. Can you get it? And if you do force, because that's the other thing with Ole Miss, which can be frustrating on both sides, be frustrating for Ole Miss people, be frustrating for the, the team they're playing, is just because you force fourth down doesn't mean the possession just ended. Where are you on the field? What's your down distance? It's way more to the to the aggressive side than any other coach out there. And so when you have the short yardage situations, 
Do you have a playmaker? And then look, maybe Asante can tee off or something like that and get in the backfield, but you don't have the defensive lineman to be able to make a lot of those critical line of scrimmage plays. That's what worries me uh, in this particular game. Brooks, any thoughts on Auburn's defense against Ole Miss? What, do you see a, a clear opportunity to try to limit Ole Miss, or do you think this, this will look a lot like last week for the Tigers' defense? Uh. I don't think it'll look a lot uh, look a lot like uh, last week. Uh, I, I think that it is. Oh, hey, there I am. Sorry about that. No, you're you're fine. I don't think it'll look a lot like last week. Um, I, I think that it's going to be. I think this Auburn defense has a chance to get a few more stops. Like I said, I think I said it yesterday or on Tuesday. Um, you're not facing a. Uh, a Heisman caliber quarterback this week that can make uh, all the plays. Jackson Dart's fine. Uh, he's a pretty good quarterback, but he's not a Heisman caliber quarterback like Jaden Daniels was. Uh, so I think if you can get in there and and get some pressure, uh, create some pressure is uh, I think the theme. Uh, but you got to create. If you can create some pressure, get him, uh, get Jackson Dart a little uncomfortable because you know you, you look at how they started this year. They like to throw it around more. We we talked, uh, and I know I've said this this week. Uh, we we talked coming out of SEC Media Days and into the season. We were like, oh, Quinshawn Judkins is going to be this you know star, and he, you know he's he's going to be the X factor this year. He's pretty silent for the first few games. He started to pick things up here uh, as we've gone down the stretch, but it was it was not. You weren't talking about the the Ole Miss rushing rushing attack this year. Uh, uh, quite often, uh, but uh, I think that if you can get uh, get Dart uncomfortable and you can you know you can cover those wide receivers and and make him make hard throws as well uh, and make them go to that run game a little bit, uh, I, I think that you've got a chance to get some get uh, get some big stops and big situations for Auburn. Yeah, you know, I again, I I think that home field here will be the difference in having such a, a sluggish start. Uh, that there will be a rowdy crowd for sure, and uh, I, I'm interested to see the the kind of. Uh, I, I think this will end up being the last part. I said this a little bit yesterday. I, I put the numbers behind it. I think this will be the last part of this really bad stretch of Auburn football. I think that after this loss, it will be the 180 that it was after Auburn defeated Ole Miss in 2021 at Jordan Hare Stadium. Since Auburn beat Ole Miss 31-20 in 2021, Auburn as a football program overall is 8-15, and and in Power 5 competition, they are 3-14. Their three wins are Cal this year. Um, They had the 13-10 win over Texas A&M last year, and they had the Missouri win where Missouri misses a field goal, drops a ball at the one-yard line. Should have been right, right. Lost, for all the world, should have been lost. Should've Those been are the lost, three man. Power Five wins. That's crazy. Since Auburn defeated Ole Miss to get to six and two in the season 2021, man. and of course lost the bowl game that year. You you lost five in a row. Houston did not count at that time for a Power Five competition. But yeah, eight and fifteen as a program since that loss. Three and fourteen in Power Five competition. So assuming this loss which maybe is not an assumption, but still Auburn up against it. it and I'm going to predict Ole Miss to win. Ole Miss wins. Auburn dropped to 8-16 and 3-15 and and in Power 5 competition since that game. However, that's rough. That's where I think will be the fork in the road, and that's where it will start to be a rejuvenation because, as we've targeted all year long, this was the four-game stretch, starting with A&M, ending with Ole Miss. That was incredibly difficult. 
your next four games after this, which include three SEC games, are all against teams that are either going to miss a bowl game or struggle to make one. We'll get in at like six and six if they get in. Beating Auburn would be a key. But if Auburn wins, they're probably not going. A team like Mississippi State probably not going to bowl game. So I believe that, yes, now if Ole Miss throttles Auburn, then you know I'm, I'm not going to look work. very smart. Yeah, there's right. going to be work to do. But I'm of the belief that no matter what the result is, this will be that mark that then eggs on, that, that allows and leads to Auburn to turn it around, maybe not go 5-0 to finish because you still have Alabama at the end of the year, but have a, a respectable finish that gets you in a bowl game and then leads into a, a much better 2024 and beyond. So this is an interesting point in the program because, again, this is going to complete a 24-game stretch of football that has been amongst the worst 24 games, uh, quite frankly, in Auburn football history. We're going to take our next time out of the show. One more segment in hour number one coming up. Stay tuned. More Sports Call coming up after this. Want to know how easy it is to listen to our show? All you have to do with your Amazon smart device is say, Alexa, play Sports Call Auburn. I'm Trevon Reed, former Auburn Tiger football player and national champion. You're listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Back to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Ryan LaVoy, Cam Berry, Brooks Childress, who has a working mic if the person sitting behind the board would turn it on from time to time. Uh, <laughs> it is on this time. Is, right. it, is it? Yeah. Right. Yeah, well, he was whispering, yeah, whispering, so it was a little hard. But, yes, it, it is working correctly. Uh, again, Ryan, Cam, and Brooks with you here on this Friday. And, again, want to remind you about the high school sports coming up tonight. You got Borgard High School right here, 6.30 airtime, 7 o'clock kickoff on Tiger 95.9 against Central Clay County. Over on FM Talk 93.9, Brant Daughtry, the voice of Smith Station, will have the call of that one as Smith Station takes on the Jag Jaguars. Battle though in sevens there. Hopefully Smith Station can get their first win of the season. And directly following that game from 10 p.m. to midnight, the Alabama High School Athletic Association scoreboard show. Uh, You can listen to all the updated scores in the state of Alabama uh, from those guys from 10 p.m. to midnight. Again, on FM Talk 93.9. And on Saturday, FM Talk 93.9, the Michigan State Spartans host the Michigan Wolverines. And that game, again, our game of the week. And... Uh, hopefully no sign-stealing will be involved <laughs> in the making of that broadcast. 
as uh, Michigan has gone through it uh, and put themselves through it the last uh, few months and years. Seriously, though. <laughs> yeah. Uh, these allegations against stem from not really uh, – I, I think there's some that could be involved with electronics, but more so the sending of a staffer to other teams' games and practices to then uh, – get their signals, learn them in time for their upcoming game. It was so much so <laughs> that the Big Ten actually asked Michigan State if they wanted to play this game. Yeah. And Michigan State still said, yes, they want to play. Uh, so that, that to me, says there there's smoke, and where there's smoke, there's fire. But uh, we'll see what the investigation turns up. But uh, another, another Harbaugh malfunction here, and uh, I, I think that we're – kind of going ever closer to the end of Harbaugh in college football. I feel like he's going to be looking for an NFL job to get out of this mess that he's starting to create. Yeah, he really probably could be. I found it interesting, I know, uh, and I know I think you guys saw this, where it got uh, reported that they suspended the guy who, I guess, Michigan suspended the guy who was under investigation, who's currently under investigation. Yes. And I was telling Brant, I said – do you suspend an innocent person that you know is innocent? And I say probably not. I mean, you do have to remove them from the situation. Yeah, I guess that's I, fair. I guess in most cases. But, I mean, yeah, no, nothing about it looks redeeming or positive. Right, exactly. Not, not, not positive at all. So, um, yeah, I, I could definitely see Harbaugh um, maybe moving – moving into the NFL and, and whatever job potentially becomes vacant uh, this this year so uh, or after this year. So, yeah, certainly interesting, certainly looking like it's uh, not trending in the right direction at all whatsoever. And, it, you know, I, it's, and I, I guess you could say, oh, well, they just didn't get caught. Uh, it's so weird that all this stuff is popping up with him at Michigan and nothing happened when he was at Stanford. He had a great program at Stanford, and just nothing really popped up. And was like, "Oh, Stanford's under investigation because of stuff Jim Harbaugh has done." And it's like now, I just don't know what, it, why it's it's all of a sudden being. And they were, you know, they were in uh, BCS bowl contentions. They were, you know, they were in Pac-12 championship contentions at, at Stanford. It's not like this is a whole different ball uh, ball game where, where you you know you're at Michigan now. Oh, now you're contending for national titles. Well, you had the chance to do that at Stanford. You you contended for Pac-12 titles. You contended for BCS games there. Uh, I, I don't know what it what's what what changed why why all this stuff's now happening with the with that uh, maybe college football's just gotten that much more competitive uh, and it, you well know, try to win more I don't know I mean I you get more established and you get more connections and it gives you the ability to create a bigger network to where you feel like you can get away with things like I feel like you're I, I know Harbaugh has the connections because he's always a big name, but also a reminder, he was not at Stanford too long. He was, he was there a few years. Now he's been at Michigan longer than he was at Stanford. And you just, you, you see how things work for a little while. And then you feel like, you know how you're going to be able to gain the system. Like no one walks into something saying without prior knowledge of anything, like, Oh, I'm going to figure out how to cheat. I'm just going to walk right in here and I, I won't figure it out. From from day one, usually you see how the lay of the land is first, and you say to yourself, "Okay, where is there a weakness? Where is there something that may not be go be going noticed enough?" 
and you try to take advantage of it that way. And what I what I think of when I think of this whole thing, and I said it yesterday too, is I try to get inside the minds of people that do bend the rules or that sort of thing. And like it's not it's not hard to think about the why in it because you 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 get pressure and you want to win and you go overboard and you just do a bunch of inappropriate or impermissible things. Like it's not hard to follow that line. The line that is hard for me to think about is why in the world was Michigan doing this not only in a time where they're already being investigated by the NCAA yeah. but for something else, <laughs> but doing this for opponents that they don't need to do this for. Right, not at all. Like, if you said, okay, they're going to try and steal some signs from Ohio State, okay, yeah, that, that's the team you need to beat to win the Big Ten and, and potentially make the playoff. I don't agree with you. You shouldn't do it. You shouldn't cheat, period. But I at least know where I know where you're coming from. Right, the thought process is understandable. Who, who needs to cheat against Minnesota and Rutgers? <laughs> like, like with all due respect, like it's it's dumb. It's it's just objectively dumb, and that's the kind of arrogance that has built up over the years from Harbaugh. That's you asked why it didn't happen in Stanford 15 years ago, because that arrogance develops over time. That is usually something where if you're trying to get away with something, you get more and more confident. Because you, you, another thing, you get away. I'll give you an example. I was a kid once. We all were. Breaking news. And what I would try to do, what I'd try to do is I would try to stay up past my bedtime to play PlayStation 2. My parents know this. Okay, that this is they're listening right now from the beach, and they know this is no, not breaking you're news. They might be grounded when right. they see you. You're done. And, and, yeah, at age twenty-seven, I'll be done. Uh, no bushwhackers for you this week. <laughs> <laughs> that would be a, a That's frustrating true building. grounding right there. <laughs> That'd be a frustrating building. And so, what I would do is, I would try to figure out a way that would be late enough or in a situation enough to where I could get away with. Staying up late at night and later at night to play PlayStation 2, usually college football game. And once you get away with it once, you're really nervous the first time, like, oh, I'm going to put the, the blanket below the, the doors. So I can't see the light coming in and not realizing as a kid that you know, the light goes all the way around the door frame, not just the bottom uh, sometimes. And, um, you know, oh, you know, try not to make too much noise. And, like, maybe they've gone to their – they're not in the living room anymore, so – they're about to wind down, and you try to get all these things, and you get away with it once, and it instills you to do it more. Right, right. You're like, oh, I can keep getting away with this. Absolutely. It's going to be all right. And then that one day, they finally catch you. Busted. Which my parents certainly did. And Were you in the middle of a football when it happened? I sure was. Oh. I sure was. In the middle of a what? I, I think I was playing as North Carolina. Oh. Which my parents should have thought was a good thing. <laughs> no, but I did not get to continue that one. Man, it took a and, and also and also they caught me multiple times. I was a repeat offender. That's no. fair. Uh, now, now let me ask. But you. it took a while to go back and do it again. 
Because I was then not, uh, my confidence shaking. They're going to be working out for this. When you were caught, were you winning the football game? Oh, I don't remember that. I was gonna, no idea. Do you no remember idea. if you won it the next time you tried to go and play it? No idea. Ah. I don't remember those things. I just vividly remember it was North Carolina. It could have been UAB. It could have been UAB. It was North Carolina or UAB, and they didn't let me finish. Yeah, but there was no... There was no uh, <laughs> there was no negotiation going on at that time. But you see what I'm saying is it doesn't matter what it is, how malicious or non-malicious it is. You do something you're not supposed to. You get away with it once. It empowers you to keep doing it more and more often. And I feel like that's where we got with Michigan. And this is why Michigan now has its second major investigation in as many years. And, of course, we'll see the fruits of that investigation, the results of it, and we'll see if uh, any big penalties are levied towards Michigan football or to Jim Harbaugh. We are out of time for hour number one. Coming up in hour number two, we'll talk some other college football games coming up this weekend across the country and in the Southeastern Conference. A little bit lighter of a slate in the SEC. Only five games this weekend involving SEC teams. We'll talk to you about those coming up in just a little bit. You're listening to the Friday edition of Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. One hour of our show is in the books. We've got more to come. Stay tuned for another hour of Sports Call right after the break. You're listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9 FM, WTGZ, Tuskegee, Auburn, and AM620 WTRP, LaGrange. Since 1995, Alabama's sports talk leader, Tiger Communications, proudly presents Sports Call. It's time to join our Sports Call crew as they discuss the latest headlines and happenings around Auburn and the entire sports world. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. We're taking phone calls all show long and want to talk about whatever you've got on your mind. And now, coming to you live from the loveliest village on the plains, Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call. Second hour of Sports Call starting right now. Tiger 95.9, Ryan LaVoy, Brooks Childress, Cam Barry with you here on this Friday afternoon, talking all things Auburn Ole Miss, all things college football here as we get set for another college football Saturday. And uh, just this time of year, uh, obviously awesome, even if it's not going as great as we want it to for Auburn. And then coming up here in a couple weeks, we'll have Auburn basketball games to start previewing. And we'll be previewing the team here uh, pretty shortly in the next week or so as they get set for a loaded non-conference schedule. They're going to be playing important games week in week out not just an sec play so we'll be getting to that here over the next several days but for now we continue on and we talk some college football let's talk about some of the national games coming up here this week there are we we talked about it briefly at the beginning of the show every conference save for the big 12 has something very important going on Uh, this week there is at least one marquee game there's really not more than one in most cases 
but there is at least one marquee game. The Big 12 just doesn't have it because Texas is going to Houston. Oklahoma is hosting UCF, and then Oklahoma State, West Virginia. Standings perspective is, is important for the Big 12, but just nationally not relevant. But all the other conferences have something going on. Let's start with the Ohio State-Penn State game because that's the that's the biggest one of the weekend period. This one in Columbus, it's the big noon Saturday game. They do the 11 a.m. stuff in the Big Ten, which, again, I, I just yeah, – people get upset in the SEC about having to play the CBS 230 game as the best game of the week. How about 11 a.m. time yeah, slots? That's, uh, that's I know Big Ten's used to it by now, but – Gross. Not for me. No, that's not fun. Not for me. But uh, Ohio State, Penn State in Columbus this weekend, guys. What do you think? That'll be an interesting one because not only have I not watched a single down of Penn State football, um, I know that – and I at least know that Ohio State is pretty decent and they have uh, Kyle McCord, who's a pretty good quarterback, and they have Marvin Harrison Jr., who is the best wide receiver in the nation. Um I think it'll be a good one. I again, I was not very high on Penn State. I didn't think that they were going to be, you know, as good as they've been. Um, but I mean, here here they are, and, and they've won every game that they've played convincingly. Uh, not to say that the beginning of their schedule has been extremely difficult by any means, but uh, they're seven and zero. So I mean, you know, here they are, and, and Ohio State has been tested. You know, they did play uh, at Notre Dame, and that was a, a, a test. And uh, although they probably won more to more due to Notre Dame's ineptitude uh, than maybe more their actual you know, skills. But, I mean, they, they took advantage of it. It is what it is. They, they scored and they won the game. And, and uh, so that, that's all that matters is the scoreboard at the end of the, at the, end of the uh, game. And so um, I, I think this will be a good one. Um, Again, I, I just uh, I, I mean for Penn State to be ranked and be a top ten team um, and to have dominated their schedule so far that proves that they have some some type of uh, you know competency and and have are a pretty solid football team. So um, I, I think it'll be a good one for sure. Yeah, you look at both of these these teams and they've each had one. I guess you could say big test. Penn State's big test was that Iowa game. That was their biggest test. But Iowa can't score the football more than than uh, than I could. I could I could probably rush for as many touchdowns uh, as as Iowa has on the year. Um, but you know they they shut them out thirty one to nothing. That was their big their uh, their big test. Uh, Ohio State's big test was on the road. At Notre Dame, they came out of that one with a seventeen to fourteen uh, seventeen to fourteen win. Um, and it's uh, it, it's going to be an interesting battle because I really like uh, both of these quarterbacks. I think Kyle McCord, uh, he was shaking to start with, but he started to pick it up here as we, we've gone through the season a little bit. But then Drew Aller, I think, has been a phenomenal quarterback this year. He's, he's a quarterback. I don't know because of his play style, he's not going to be uh, mentioned in that Heisman race because it's just there's so many dynamic quarterbacks this year that are like a, a Penix, a, a Jaden Daniels, Bo Nix, uh, Caleb Williams. You've got so many dynamic quarterbacks that can make plays with their feet and their arm that are in the conversation but drew aller's been uh, phenomenal for for the offense that they run um and and so uh, he's he's definitely going to be a guy that you look at when you start to uh when you look at those draft boards he's going to be a guy that you you're going to see his name pop up a little bit um but i I think the big thing here is going to be this penn state defense versus uh ohio state ohio state if you look at it is averaging uh you know 308 passing yards a game 
Well, Penn State's defense is only allowing 121.2 average passing yards per game. So the the, the big thing there is going to be how well can this Penn State defense uh, shut down the, the the guys like Marvin Harrison uh, Jr. And, you know, I mentioned that Iowa game. No one that they've played has really had a big dynamic passing attack. You got you had Delaware. You've had UMass has been their out-of-conference schedule. Auburn fans will remember the UMass uh, team. And then the conference play, they've played Illinois, Iowa and Northwestern. None of those teams scream. We're throwing the ball a lot. That's that. That's Big Ten football right there. But they've done a good job with their defense. They've only allowed a, a maximum of a thirteen points all year long, uh, and they did that twice to Illinois and Northwestern. So uh, I think that both of these teams. I, I'm you know. You, you think of Ohio State football here. Ohio State's kind of the outlier when it comes to offenses in the Big Ten. They can score a lot of points. Michigan also has been able to do this. Uh, they, they've been able to score a lot of points uh, these past few years. I, I think that on Saturday, uh, tomorrow, I think this is going to be a, a traditional Big Ten game where you're gonna the winner is only going to score like 20, 21 points. I think the defenses are really going to have to step up here. I think Penn State's defense uh, it, it is going to have to uh, is going to have to have a big day against a Marvin Harrison Jr. Uh, to keep them off to keep Ohio State off the board. Uh, I, I think this is going to be a fun a fun football game, especially for folks that like to watch you know just teams hitting each other. Yeah, it's just hard to know about these three because, and I, I include Michigan in that too. Obviously, you can't have three teams playing one game. Michigan, Ohio State, Penn State. It's hard to read these teams yet, and they're we know their baseline good and and pretty pretty darn good, but we don't know how it shakes out. We don't know to what degree because or and and at least for me, I don't have much confidence of any of them being over the other two because there's just not a lot of meat on the Big Ten bone this year. We've talked about the SEC being down. I think the Big Ten's been down in some ways because they have no middle. They've got these three great teams, all of which could end up in the playoff, and their fourth-rated team, their last-rated team in the top 25 is Iowa. And I look, Iowa's great defensive team. Like we're not saying they're not that. They're good at. They're really good at that. But that's an just awful offense. Yeah. I mean, awful, <laughs> awful, awful. It is truly I, like challenge. I might take Auburn's offense. I would. <laughs> I, I probably would. And Auburn's not a good offensive team. No, but Iowa. But is I would take Auburn's offense. Substantially. That's worse. how awful yeah. Iowa's offense is. So if that's your fourth best team, then your middle is pretty weak because Cincinnati year one for Fickle's not been great. Or excuse me, I said Cincinnati, Wisconsin. That's where he came from. Wisconsin year one not been great. Uh, Maryland lost at home to Illinois. Illinois three and four. Like that's not some. Oh, you know, it's actually a pretty feisty Illinois team. No, it's not. You know, and I think that the problem is these programs that are supposed to add depth to the Big Ten right now. Nebraska, uh, again, Maryland to some degree, but Michigan State. They're having bad cycles right now. Michigan State's not any good at all. I know that's our game of the week. I'm supposed to defend it and plug it and all that sort of thing. Michigan's gonna gonna beat Michigan State really easily tomorrow. Uh, Michigan State at home are 24 point underdogs, three touchdowns and a field goal underdogs at home. After a couple years ago, that was a huge matchup for Mel Tucker and Michigan State. I mean, the, how times change quickly. We talked about Auburn stats since they beat Ole Miss in 2021. Michigan State's been right there with them haven't been haven't won any games of consequence really and so 
that that middle of that league is not any good. And so, therefore, it's really hard to assess by beating Illinois and Rutgers and Indiana and, and Minnesota, whoever, what, what that means. Because those teams are not very good. Some of those teams are not bowl teams. Some of those teams will be 6-6. Six and six, They'll be in the pinstripe bowl, and no one's going to watch that. I, and it's just it's just going to be – it's just tough. So I don't have a great frame of reference. The only frame of reference you can have is that Ohio State did play Notre Dame, and that's at least something. And Notre Dame does have their two losses, but I do think Notre Dame's at least pretty good. Uh, I mean, they, they I mean the way they dominated USC, Notre Dame's got some chops to them. Just not uh, maybe New York, maybe not quite national title or anything like that. Chops, but but Notre Dame's pretty good, and so that's something. But Ohio State, for the same price, could have lost. I mean, they they looked very underwhelming that game, and even though statistically you talked a little bit about Brooks, you know, three hundred your passing yards a game. McCord doesn't count for all of that because they had a quarterback competition early in the season. McCord's just been a little underwhelming to me. Like I like again, I was waiting for him to have the big moments. So you expect the Ohio State quarter, starting yes, quarterback to a be lot. a wow factor, right? I expect a lot from them. So it's not that McCord's been bad, and not that he's you know di- di- that disappointing, but it's just not been the level that I'm accustomed to. Heck, they won the national championship on a third string quarterback a few years back, Cornell Jones. Yeah. Uh, so you know, I think it's just been a little hard to figure out for them. I'm tempted just for no other reason other than it's time to take Penn State. But the problem is it is in Columbus. And, man, I just – I don't know. I can't – I don't know why this Penn State team would be the team to knock off Ohio State. I will say this because we've not talked much about Ohio State this year because, again, they've played one consequential game against Notre Dame and didn't talk about it afterwards. Man, has Ryan Day had a year already uh, yeah. with, with the comments he was making with uh, – with Lou Holt or about Lou Holtz and that sort of stuff after the game. I, I will say this. I don't need to go on a soliloquy about it. He has not endeared himself to me uh, this year. I will I will put it that way uh, with some of the things that he's been talking about. I find him to be pretty unlikable at the moment. But then again, James Franklin has also had his moments of unlikability too. So And so has Jim Harbaugh. Like it, these, these guys have – rule a certain way and they they have certain characteristics to them and they gotta wake up for 11 a.m kicks yeah that's why they're grumpy <laughs> gotta be a little grumpy in the morning probably uh so you know again i'm not saying you have to like good coaches again a lot of times the great coaches are not very likable so it is it is not necessarily a characteristic that matters at all but i will say that again ryan day was I, I did not enjoy the, the the comments from him after in the aftermath of the the Notre Dame game, but again, it's hard to pick against Ohio State at home, and Penn State's really in need of a huge win uh, in a game like this, and we'll see if they end up getting it. Let's talk one more game before our next timeout. Another top twenty five matchup. Again, we're going to save the SEC stuff for a little little later. Uh, let's go Pac-12 now. Let's go with the number 14, Utah Utes, number 18, USC. USC punched in the face uh, last weekend in South Bend. And Caleb Williams threw his way out of the Heisman conversation for the time being with three first-half interceptions. And now USC down to 18th, usually with the hype around that program to just sustain one loss to Notre Dame. Wouldn't see them that low halfway through the year, but... 
everyone kind of understands this is not functioning like a, a team we thought we'd see. And now they are technically ranked below a Utah team that has not had much offense either. So what wins out here? USC's overwhelming offense or Utah's really stingy defense? I think it'll be USC's overwhelming offense, uh, especially considering last year this was the team that uh, uh, Utah beat USC last year. Um, and, and that was like a pretty high-scoring game, if I remember correctly, and a close game at that. Um, so I, I think uh, USC definitely ha- remembers that and, and probably wants to also take out some frustration after their loss uh, at Notre Dame. Um, I, I think that uh, I, I think that USC's ability to score the ball uh, at the rate that they do will outweigh uh, this this Utah defense just because I, I just don't think they're going to be able to score near as many points as as um, as USC. I mean, I'm just looking at some of these scores and I mean, 56, 42, 48, 43. I mean, again, their lowest output has been 20 at Notre Dame, and and again, you know, that was that was probably Caleb Williams' worst game of his career probably like his collegiate career easily um and i think you're probably right ryan that he did probably throw himself out of the uh out of the heisman race uh for the time being got to really tighten up especially um just going down the stretch you gotta you gotta really be on your p's and q's if you're caleb williams if you're trying to go back to back um but overall i i know he's just trying to win football games and um that one loss doesn't put them completely out, but it is pretty detrimental because everybody understands that USC has no defense whatsoever. Uh, they're just really trying to outscore teams, and uh, you know I, I I just don't think anybody truly takes them serious as as a as a championship team because of their real lack of defense. Um, but I I do see them getting this game, and I do see them still trying to be still able to compete in the Pac-12. Um, you know they're still in, in the top of the conference, um, but still they 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 still got a ways to go because again it doesn't seem like they have a lot of respect from people in the polls. Utah is the number fourteen team in the country. That means only four only thirteen teams is considered better than this team right now. Tell me tell me tell me if these these offensive numbers say number fourteen in the country. Averaging 149 and a half yards passing per game, and absolutely not. Uh, and averaging 172.7 rush yards per game. No, not really. No. That is awful. That's yeah. This is 320 a game. It, it's 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 awful. It, here's where why they're ranked 14th. We talked about their defense. They're allowing an average of 211 pass yards per game, and allowing an average of 66.8 rush yards per game. When you look at the Pac-12, you think about offenses this year. They have stymied some of the better offenses in the country so far. Um, they, they lost to Oregon State. Oregon State's put up some points this year. They only put up 21 on Utah. I think Utah can stick in this game because of their defense and only because of their defense. I think USC wins this game, but I think they only win it by like 7 to 10 points. Uh, because the Utah defense can is is gonna uh, is gonna do their job. I just don't have faith that their offense can score anything. Uh, I think that USC, uh, and you know, I, I may even go up a little bit. I, I maybe I think USC could put up you know a 21, 24 points. I don't think Utah's offense can do that. Cam Rising was a big part of that offense last year uh, when and, and they they were when they were really successful and when they did beat USC last year. Cam Rising was a big part of that. He hadn't been there this year. 
and it, it they they continue to hope to get him back, continue to hope to get him back. Well, no, it, needs just not gotten healthy. You're going to need him back to do anything here. I I, I think that USC it's it's not going to be an overwhelming offensive performance. I think that this this Utah team is good enough defensively to kind of stymie Caleb Williams a little bit, but just a little bit. I think they're still going to score. A, 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 they're going to get you know put twenty one twenty four points. I just don't think that that Utah can score that much. Even though USC, we like you mentioned, Cam, USC has a, a defense that is uh, lacks a lot to be desired. I still don't trust this offense against that defense. They just haven't yeah. scored. Yeah, no, they haven't scored. But here's the thing: is six games in. They played Florida, Baylor, Weber State, which who cares? UCLA, Oregon State, and Cal. They've allowed 73 points. Six times 12 is 72. They are allowing 12 points a game. So Utah's That's tough defense for sure. Yeah, Utah's defense is awesome. It, it is a top five or, or six defense in the country. And, and not much debate in my eyes of that. So even on the road. I think they're going to make some things difficult for USC. Now, the problem is that USC should be awoken. If you're not wide awake after getting thumped in South Bend the way USC did, that was that was not a competitive game. It was 48-20. I mean, they got railroaded. And so after that, given that USC was good on offense earlier this year, they were a little underwhelming against Arizona. But the rest of the time, they've been really good on offense. You know, I don't think there's true struggles there. I do think at times, if I see one weakness in their offense or one weakness in Caleb Williams in particular, is that he will just kind of sit there, sit there, and and wait, and and then move around and wait, and and, and sometimes he puts himself in a sack situation just by kind of just chilling and chilling and chilling. That's not a huge criticism. Like there are far worse things to being a quarterback, but he does take some sacks sometimes, and sometimes that O line is a little less than stellar at protecting him too. So there, there are some sacks out there, and I think Utah will will generate some of that. But I just think that being back at home, and not for the sake of being at home, at home the LA Coliseum is not a great home environment. It's not. It might be cool. It's a really cool stadium. And it's got a lot of tradition and history there. That doesn't make it tough. USC's home crowd's not very tough. It's just the fact that USC doesn't have to deal with Utah's crowd. And they don't have to deal with the negative effects of having to play not only that Utah defense, but that Utah crowd. This will be uncomfortably close. But I do think USC will make enough plays. Yeah, I think it's like a 27-20 type of game or 24-20 type of game. I just don't think Utah can score many more than that. Utah did score 34 against Cal last week. Uh, must be nice. But <laughs> they their other outputs, I mean, they beat UCLA 14-7. They, they, they gave UCLA a warm-up to the Big Ten in, in that one, winning hey, 14-7. Chip, you ever heard of Iowa football? Here. <laughs> yeah, this is what it's going to be every year. And, you know, Utah scores 24 on Florida. That's not really that impressive on your home field. Sorry. I Like, again, I remember because that's the night that Spectrum said bye-bye for, for a couple weeks and Disney and Spectrum got into it. So I didn't watch that game, but I remember the people that did said, oh, Florida looked really bad. I was like, it's 24-11. Are you sure? I'm like, yeah, no, they didn't look good. And so statistically, sure, Utah might have beaten up a little bit, but scoreboard-wise, it's not like they just ran away and hid and 24-11 game. So 
Utah's not scored a lot. They're not even against USC's terrible defense. They're not going to get out of twenties. They're going to have to hold USC below twenty. And I just on the heels of that, <sighs> I don't and see the it. Pride. Yeah. I think if USC was still undefeated, I think this actually be more likely for Utah because USC That's thinks fair. they can just keep skating by. And right, right. and look, Utah did beat them last year. They they they've understood how to defend Caleb Williams in a lot of ways. So that they, they'll have a shot again. I think it'll be close. It will not shock me. If Utah goes there and wins, I just think the location matters a little bit uh, and the fact that uh, USC should be woken up. One other thing I'll say on USC and Caleb Williams before we take our, our next break is, and I haven't heard a whole lot of this. I think it's just been mainly I've heard love for Penix, and, and that's great. He deserves it. But if you are of the opinion that Caleb Williams is still very much in this Heisman race, you should also be of the opinion that Jaden Daniels is in this Heisman race. Because yeah, the disqualifying factor was wins and losses. Is wins and losses yeah. ranking, and USC is 18th, and LSU is 19th. So if you're going to make it about rankings, then fine. But Caleb Williams can't be in it if Jane Daniels is not in it. And I think Jane Daniels had a hell of a year. And I understand that he wasn't the best in the second half against Florida State, but he was still better in that game than Caleb Williams was against Notre Dame. And then we know that the LSU for uh, LSU Ole Miss game was nothing to do with LSU's <laughs> offense. It was uh, not stopping Ole Miss at all uh, defensively. So anyway, I did want to, to get that maybe off the chest again. Not like I've heard a lot of you know pro. Oh, Caleb Williams still second or third. I'm not heard a lot of that, but I'm just simply saying that if you think there's still time for Caleb Williams or you think he's still hanging around, then absolutely Jaden Daniels should be still hanging around as well we're going to take our first time out here of the four o'clock hour when we come back we'll talk some more college football we'll talk about the big acc matchup between florida state and duke coming up next you're listening to the friday edition of sports call on tiger 95.9 Call is on the air weekdays from 3 until 6 p.m. I'm Deshaun Davis, former Auburn Tigers football player and all SEC linebacker. You're listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Welcome back to Sports Call, Tiger 95.9. Ryan LaVoy, Brooks Childress, and Cam Barry with you here on this Friday edition of the show. If you want to give us a call today, 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free, 1-888-9-TIGER-9. All right, guys, let's move on to the ACC matchup of Florida State and Duke. Number four, Florida State, number 16, Duke. And uh, the Blue Devils with a successful outing last weekend against NC State. Despite no Riley Leonard, Duke was able to win 24-3. to We were just talking about Utah's defense on the other side of that break. Duke's defense, six games, 59 points. That's crazy. So technically just under 10 points a game so far on the year. And uh, Duke's defense has been, has been awesome thus far. 
and heard on the Pat McAfee show today via Pete Famel that Riley Leonard is a game time decision oh. and might be able to play for Duke oh, tomorrow night. We'll that makes see. Things certainly interesting. Uh, so, with that in mind, does that did that get just a little bit more intriguing for this one? Uh, it definitely makes it more intriguing uh, because that definitely elevates Duke's offense. Um, but I, I still think that Florida State, even though they they did have you know they they had the stumble or, or the tough game against Clemson, but they were at Clemson. That's a very tough p- place to play. So um, I, I you know I don't give them too many qualms uh, for that. At the game at Boston College, and and uh, I think that was week three. That one was an interesting one because they had a big lead and then gave it up. So you're kind of worried if their defense uh, is going to be able to withstand things. But then they beat the brakes off of Virginia Tech. Beat the brakes off Syracuse which obviously Syracuse isn't a very good team 0 and 3 in the conference you know 4 and 3 overall not great um but I, I still think that Florida State is one of the the better teams in the nation uh I think they have the 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 great uh quarterback in, in Jordan Travis who's uh extremely talented and uh the addition of Keon Coleman has just elevated their offense to really a whole new level he's an extremely dynamic receiver came in and and seems to be the immediate he was now the immediate number one receiver um on the team and and you would think that you know uh johnny wilson you kind of forget about him now because they they have keon coleman and he's this crazy dynamic receiver that's making all these one-hand catches and things like that and um is just crazy talented, uh, but they still have more talent uh, there uh, with uh, with Johnny Wilson uh, as their number two receiver, and he's extremely good as well. I think he was a thousand yard receiver last year, uh, so you, I mean, there's plenty of talent. So I, I just think that Florida State's a pretty deep team, and I think they're really good. Uh, so I, I still think, and, and they're at home, so I still think that that gives uh, Florida State a, a, a big chance to win here. You look at this game. Uh, you know, Riley Leonard, if he plays, that would be a big bonus for, for Duke. But you look at the rest of their schedule, though, even with Riley Leonard, the most points they put up in a game was 28 to Clemson. Well, Florida State's putting up more than that in in all in every single one of their games. I, I think the, the lowest they've scored is, what, 31 twice, the Boston College and the Clemson game for for Florida State. I like this Duke defense. I think it's a real defense. Um. But I just don't know if they've run into a, a a dynamic offense like this Florida State is this year. I think this year uh, Mike Norvell is making it is out to make a statement because there was, you know, he got there, took over uh, the disaster that Willie Taggart left Florida State, and it took him. It's taken him a couple years to get going. And there was a couple, you know, there, if a year ago, two a year and a half ago, people were starting to question. Is the you know does he need to we need to move on from this guy? Last year he he started to bring it back and then it was you know it came back and you you're like all right maybe we need to give him more chance and a couple people you know a few people started picking him as a dark horse candidate for the playoffs this year. Well they've come out the gates roaring. Uh, Jordan Travis uh, the transfer transferred in from Louisville a couple years ago. Uh, he's been phenomenal. Keon Coleman, the new the transfer wide receiver, we we can see now why uh, Peyton Thorne liked throwing it to yes. him at Michigan State. Um, I, I think this Florida State team, this offense, I I like the Duke defense, 
but I think this Florida State offense is a little too much to for this Duke defense to handle. I, I think that they're uh, that Florida State's going to go out there and they're going to throw the ball around and, and they're going to they're fourteen points. I, I, that sounds like a that that sounds to what I, I what I think. I think Florida State wins this by fourteen points over Duke. Yeah, you know, this is the second game in a row where I really wish that the venue was flipped. I wish that Utah had was the home team against USC, and I wish that Duke was the home team against Florida State. And again, it's not always about individual environments because there's it's a two-edged sword. You get a benefit from being at your place. Right. The other team, when they're at their place, they get a benefit. Uh, and so I think that it's disappointing, not because Wallace Wade is some beacon of chaos, but because Florida State is a nice home field advantage yeah. for Florida State, big too. Time. Big time. And I think that that it just does not allow me to pick this to ultimately be a Duke win. I think it is going to be very interesting to see Florida State's offense versus Duke's defense because, again, I think Duke's defense is just really damn good. Mike yeah. Elko, um, the, the second-year coach coming out of uh, A&M when he was the defensive coordinator at Texas A&M, I think that Elko – is a genuinely good coach. He is not going to be at Duke for long. And I think that he has brought already in year two a, a real genuine defense there. But just on the road, you just I feel like there's just too many plays still to be made for the home team. And if they don't have Riley Leonard, they're just not going to score. And even if they do, as Brooks said, as much as we talked about Riley Leonard, the productivity – is not quite worth the amount of attention that we've given him thus far. Now he is a good quarterback, not taking that away from him, but he, you know, they they just because he's in there does not mean they all of a sudden become unstoppable. Right. And and he's that was the point. Changer. Right. And and again, Clemson was stopping them the majority of that game. It's just Clemson just kept turning the ball they over. Beat themselves. Right. And, and enabled Duke to kind of get the momentum there going in the in the late second half. So I think this could be a really low-scoring game. But, again, I'm really interested to see Travis play this Duke defense because I think it's the best defense remaining on the schedule. And, I mean, you look at the rest of these schedules for these two teams, Florida State wins this game. They're in the ACC title game. They're not losing twice from here on out. They've only got one more game of any consequence in the league, and that's against Miami. But, again, it's in Doak Campbell. And Miami, who knows what they're going to be yeah, at, they're a at that coaster, point? Bro. I mean, they're 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 not guaranteed to be anything of significance uh, once we get to that point in the year. And so, even though it's a rivalry, you just uh, it's not overly appealing at that point. Uh, so, I, for the Florida State, I think they're in the ACC title game for sure if they they lock this up. Also for Duke, they've got at Louisville next week. Then th- three weeks they got Carolina. So they've got three out of four uh, really tough games. They'll decide their ACC fate. So this just it, it is important game because Duke does not have an ACC loss. Neither of these teams have an ACC loss. So really, the winner is going to feel awesome about ending up in the ACC title game. The loser is going to feel like uh, that they're back up against the wall for the rest of the year. I, I want to issue a correction that I, I misspoke a minute earlier. I said the most points they've scored is 28. They scored 42 against Laf- uh, Lafayette. They scored 30 against the Northwestern, 41 against Duke. I was going for the stat that the most they've scored against one of their bigger opponents, the three big opponents they've played, Clemson, Notre Dame, and NC State, the most they've scored is 28. Right, yeah. No, they, and, but again, last week, too, I mean, they did not have Leonard. But 
But, uh, yeah, I think that Duke's still just limited enough on offense. And even you get into the question, too, just because Leonard magically plays, does that mean he's actually uh, near 100%? That's that's another game all in itself. We're going to take our next time out. When we come back, we'll open up the orthopedic clinic phone line. We'll also talk a little bit more about college football. Coming up in hour number three, more on Auburn Ole Miss and more on the SEC action that we've yet to get to here in the show today as well. You're listening to the Friday edition of Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Don't want to call into the show? Send us your thoughts via email. You've got mail. Sports call at the tiger.fm. We're done paying the bills. Now back to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Welcome back to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Ryan LaVoy, Cam Berry, Brooks Childress with you here on this Friday edition of the program. And let's go to the orthopedic clinic phone line now. So we've got about 10 minutes left here in our number two, 334-887-3401 locally or toll free, one triple eight nine at Tiger 9. Ward Damn Steve. Retire Ward Damn Steve is with us. Steve, good to talk to you again. How are you this afternoon? Well, thank you for the compliment. It's good to talk to you guys. It's fun Friday, isn't it? Yes, sir. Well, uh, what's not very much fun is finding out, guys, that uh, our offense, or at least our passing offense, is dead last in the SEC. That means that maybe, I don't know, I'm just I'm throwing this out there, maybe we should look and see if we can maybe, uh, I don't know, recruit some people on the offensive line or uh, from wide receivers from Vanderbilt. Well, I mean, obviously, well, I, I I don't want Vanderbilt's players, honestly, either. Uh, but but uh, they're yeah. ahead of us. They're ahead of us, Ryan. Yeah, uh, but uh, you're still not going to win with Vanderbilt's players. But I think that uh, how do you do that? Honestly, I mean, again, well, yeah, no, it's been it's been awful. It's been awful. But it's not like we we were going over the numbers earlier in the show, and I mean, again, it's with what we've seen out there. I mean, just everything's wrong with the passing attack. Uh, anyway, uh, I just saw when I saw that I said, "Lord, you know, you know, you're in trouble when Vanderbilt is not dead last, and you are." Yeah, not good. Okay, all right. Uh, speaking of being in trouble, guys, now I'm got maybe uh, you know maybe we need to do this to win some games uh, from here on out. Uh, but I guess you know or don't know that uh, this is from CBS Sports that Michigan has suspended an analyst by the name of Connor Stallions with pay. Uh, for the duration of the NCAA's investigation into what? Alleged sign stealing. Oh, yeah. No, we've been talking about it for sure. Yep. But you have? Okay. Oh, yeah. Well, I'm thinking, do you really need to be stealing signs with the opponents that you've played so far to be 6-0? and Right. Yeah, no, that's one of the things we, we talked about it, that they're doing it for everybody, I guess, but uh, they've been the, – the, the, it's – Look, you should never do it, period, but at least you can follow the line of thinking if you're doing it against Ohio State, but to do it against all these teams that they can beat easily no matter what, again, it's just it's senseless. That's what and, I'm saying. Yeah. If you have to steal signs to beat those teams, 
Oh, okay. Yeah, and they don't and they Good don't luck. need to, and they don't need to, but they've just they've gotten ambitious and they've gotten cavalier and and it's going to come back to bite them. Now, what really is sad, uh, guys, is I read some more about this uh this uh, analyst. Uh he's a retired, hold on, US Marine Corps captain. Yeah. Uh, I thought the Marine Corps had a little bit more ethical uh character, you know, and integrity than that. I mean, I absolutely believe it does, but I don't think one person should uh, should stand try should be the uh, the judgment for every single part of the military or, oh, or part I of an organization. Agree. Yeah, but darn, when you're you can always have a bad apple. Like, I know, but uh, when you're in a position of leadership that he was apparently as a captain, I said, "Wow." Now, here's an interesting little side note, guys. I'm reading this also from CBS Sports. It says that apparently. Stealing signs in itself is not a violation of the rules. Did you know that? Uh, yeah. Yeah. I did not. As I'm reading, it says, sign stealing itself is not technically against the rules. Right, but it's, unless yeah. Unless it involves electronic equipment. Right. Okay, what's electronic equipment include, guys? I mean, phone, oh. camera. There's the audio recorders, yeah. Yeah. video recorders, anything that records audio or video. Okay. All right. So he had to go to that level. Okay. All right. So, uh, I mean, uh, in order to win this game, guys, do you think we need to steal some signs? Uh, <laughs> I, you know, I still think it's about the players on the field at the end of the day. Yeah. I mean, they. it is going to be It's going to be difficult uh, to for four quarters against Ole Miss's offense, but still think the crowd will play a big role and, and, and keep Auburn in the game. Well, someone asked uh, Jason Caldwell today on his uh, mailbag, Friday mailbag, that question about, uh, what does he, if he were uh, to be the coach, what would he be doing for the offense uh, for this game uh, in the future? He said he thinks the best opportunity for us to win uh, games from here on out is to go fast tempo. Interesting. Yeah. No, I don't. I don't think it's. I don't necessarily think it's about tempo. I think it's about not having Peyton Thorne in the game and trying to go with all all accounts of running that you can and lean into that and, and understand that just no matter what you're doing in the passing game, it's just not productive. Well, since you said that, Ron, did you have to listen or watch that head-to-head uh, video they do every week on AL.com with uh, Cole Kubley? I did not. Yeah, well, he said the same thing. He said uh, the best opportunity for Auburn to win uh, games is for Robbie Asher to be in there. Yeah, again, and it's not about – it's not about me thinking Ashford's going to unlock a passing game. No, it has nothing to do with that. I don't think that at all. I think that Ashford is the clearly better run threat. I think that you will run as a complete unit better uh, as you have that identity. And then I believe that when you have a random play action passer here or there, because the defense is so committed to run, you might have a more of a chance of having a big play here and there. You won't do it often because you still have a lot of errors in the passing game, but you might have a shot at a bigger play opportunity when you do pass. Okay. Uh, well, uh, let's see what they – he says he has no clue right now. This is Jason Caldwell because I, I know he knows people uh, in the athletic department of the football uh, you know, complex, but he says he has no clue what to expect from the game tomorrow. Uh, do you agree? No clue what to expect. I mean – I still feel like I have a general idea that uh, Auburn's offense will still be less than stellar, that Ole Miss, that Auburn's defense will put up a fight for a while, but Ole Miss will still make its plays, and Auburn just won't have enough offense to win. Oh, okay. Well, that feels uh, like, like I know what you're going to be picking. Uh, gee, you know, um, you know uh, Cole Kubrick, 
big score of 28-17. Uh, his partner with him, I forgot her name, she said 35-17. Guys, I just don't see a beatdown. If we lose, it should be a close game. But do you guys see it differently? 28-17 is not a beatdown. Uh, 28-17 is a, a game that's still a couple plays here and there. And um, I, I think that you know the line is is what six and a half still. I need to, right. to double check one more time, but uh, yeah, no, I don't. I some people look at two possession games as beatdowns. I've never understood that. There's a lot of ways to manufacture a ten to fourteen point game, uh, but but I think that's the range it's going to be. And I do I do not think it will come down to the wire. But I also do not think that Auburn will be overwhelmed like they were in Baton Rouge. Okay, when I say beatdown, I'm coming from the Auburn fan perspective. I said to be beat by you know ten or more points by a Mississippi team to me is uh, it's not Auburn. Well, but it's not. But I mean, it is right now. I mean, that's the that's the status of the programs right now. That's year four for Lane Kiffin, who's done a good job over there, and it's year one for Hugh Freeze over here. Following, uh, I did this stat earlier in the game, Steve. Since Auburn, or uh, earlier in the game, we're playing a game right now. Uh, earlier in the show, since Auburn beat Ole Miss in 2021 in Jern Hare Stadium. Auburn is eight and fifteen overall, and they are three and fourteen in Power Five competition. So the last two years, this has not functioned like the Auburn we know and love. Nowhere near it. It's not even fun. It's functioned like Vandy. If you want to go back to the beginning of this conversation, and so uh, th- that's just the current status of the program and the current state of the program. Now that is very quick and apt to change, and I believe it will change pretty quickly. But uh, right now, Ole Miss is better, period. It doesn't matter the history of it. Right now, this year, Ole Miss is a better team. Well, I'll cut out there, but uh, you, you do know, I guess, that the record, the all-time record is they've only won three games at Jordan-Hare. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, they've not been successful here for sure because, again, the, the program tradition and history, all that, absolutely. And, and Auburn should expect to be better than Ole Miss. Uh, pretty much every single year. But it's just Auburn is in an incredibly low place right now, and Ole Miss is in one of the better places they've been in as a program. Okay, with that said, uh, any gentlemen uh, going to the game tomorrow night? Myself and Brant will be there in uh, capacity with our uh, sports call. Auburn, Cam, uh, you're going to be there with the score out of Montgomery, right? I will. Okay, so uh, which one of you guys will be able to, uh, if you will be willing to take my place and yell, get his ass? <laughs> Yeah, maybe maybe Cam on the field would be able to get away with that. I don't think uh, can quite yeah. do that in in the uh, quieter press box. Okay, I'm afraid I'm gonna probably be seeing that way too too many times tomorrow night. But anyway, thank you guys for taking my phone calls. Always, uh, I hope you all do have an enjoyable weekend and enjoy the game uh, Saturday. Uh, until Monday. War Eagle, guys. War Eagle, Steve. Appreciate that phone call. Have a great weekend. That is retired Ward AMC joining us on the Orthopedic Clinic phone line. we got about 30 seconds before we have the end of our break. So, Brooks, I know you're about to depart from the show to go out to Beauregard. In 30 seconds, key to the game, what happens? I think the key to the game is Auburn. Uh, it's going to sound like a broken record from all year long, but Auburn's got to find some cohesiveness on offense, finish some drives with touchdowns. You've got to get down there, and you've you you know you, you've got to have some, some sort of uh, juice on offense. Defense, you got to slow out slow down uh jackson dart and 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 their wide receiver watkins as well as quinshawn judkins uh i I think that old miss uh, comes out of this one a winner i I like that six seven point spread i think 27 to 20 is about the range i'm going to go with old miss well brooks thank you very much for being here today and uh, we look forward to hearing you do color commentary with tim sin 
out of Borgarn High School starting about 6.30. But, again, appreciate you being here. And I uh, hope you have a great rest of your weekend, man. And you'll be in the host chair Monday. And I'll go ahead and I had a time. Thank you for doing that as well. Thank you for all that you do. We'll talk to you again next week, sir. Absolutely, sir. Uh, that'll do it for Brooks on the show. But we've got one more hour. Myself and Cam Berry will continue after this in the 5 o'clock hour. Sports Call 5 at 5 presented by Southeastern Land Group. That'll be the five SEC matchups taking place this weekend. Of course, we'll have more thoughts on Auburn and Ole Miss. You're listening to the Friday edition of Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Two hours of Sports Call are finished. Don't touch that radio dial. We've got one more hour to go. You're listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9 FM, WTGZ, Tuskegee, Auburn, and AM620 WTRP, LaGrange. Whether you're leaving work, cruising around town, or listening on demand, we've still got some fun left for you. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show has been on the air since 1995 and is ready for 60 more minutes of fun. Now, let's get this hour of Sports Call started. Third and final hour of Sports Call starting right now. Tiger 95.9, Ryan LaVoy and Cam Berry with you here the rest of the way on this Friday afternoon turning into evening ahead of the Auburn and Ole Miss game 25 hours away from now inside of Jordan-Hare Stadium. Auburn going to be at home a lot the remainder of the year. Uh, well, only one, uh, two more road games against uh, Arkansas and Vandy, so four of the last six inside of Jordan-Hare Stadium. Uh, As we transition into this last hour of the show, it is time for the Sports Call 5 at 5, presented by Southeastern Land Group. John Harden and Brian Watts are your local land advisors with Southeastern Land Group. Land is always a sound financial investment, but it's also investment in time with your family and friends, and Brian and John can help you find the perfect property for you. Call John Harden at 334 524-2756 or call Brian Watts at 334-707-4273 or find them online at sclandgroup.com. Today for the Sports Call 5 at 5, just going to briefly lay out these five SEC games the weekend. Then we're going to go back and talk about them. So we start off with... Number one. Which, of course, is Auburn and Ole Miss inside Jordan-Hare Stadium. Ole Miss still a a 6.5 point favorite for the number 13 Rebels. Again, been talking about the games for the past two years. Ole Miss beating Auburn last year, 48-34 in Vaught-Hemingway. And then 2021, Auburn defeated Ole Miss to get to 6-2 and two on the year. And then things greatly changed after that. Number two. A interesting one for bowl eligibility at 11 a.m. on ESPN. Arkansas taking on Mississippi State. State 3-3 three and three on the year. Arkansas already down to 2-5. and five. Arkansas has had three one-loss games against ranked teams. Excuse me, three one-possession lost games. I don't, I, I don't know. I'm having a having a moment, but they've had three really close games against top 25 competition that they all lost this year. They also had a, another one-possession or so game against BYU 
They lost Arkansas. Has been losing close, but nevertheless losing to the tune of two and five. They really have to have that one to stop the bleeding there in Fayetteville. Number three is a two thirty SEC Network game. South Carolina going to number twenty Missouri. If you told someone that one of these teams would be six and one, one would be two and four, you might think it'd be the other way around. At least coming into the year. But Missouri, number 20 in the country, 6-1, and one, taking on South Carolina, who is trying not to break, uh, and um, certainly not trying to break at the rate that uh, Shane Beamer has broken a foot <coughs> after the game, yeah. which was uh, not ideal. Oh, and uh, frustration abounds in Columbia, South Carolina. This one, though, in Columbia, Missouri. Number four. Number 19, LSU, after beating Auburn last weekend, host Army. Just your good old mid mid season clash for LSU. Obviously, heavy favored. Not exactly a conference matchup. Not a whole lot to say about that one. As LSU should not be having any problems with Army. And last up on the sports call five at five, presented by Southeastern Land Group. Number five, the two thirty SEC on CBS game. Number seventeen, Tennessee goes to Tuscaloosa for number eleven, Alabama. Bama is a nine point favorite. And that one, as Tennessee did win last weekend at home against Texas A&M, but was not very convincing in doing so. Joe Milton still uh, not getting the best out of him yet. That ground game is something else. So that's the Sports Call 5 at 5, presented by Southeastern Land Group, the five SEC games this weekend. And uh, Cam is... We start to talk about these games. Let's start with the big one. I mean, the game that needs to be talked about. That's LSU and Army. I'm just kidding. Uh, that's number 11, Alabama, number 17, Tennessee. Alabama's just not looked the same this year, but the record is not abnormal for them. The ranking a little bit is being number 11. That's a little low uh, given that Alabama usually, uh, even with the loss, stays top five, top six, somewhere in there. But it's just it speaks to just it doesn't look the same this year for Alabama, yet they keep winning. And they host a, a big one, a team that beat them last year in the Tennessee Volunteers. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Alabama just doesn't look the same. You know, they, 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 like you said, they're winning football games. It's just not convincing. You know, the, the games aren't, aren't in your typical Bama fashion, which, you know, is something that Nick Saban has always been so frustrated about when the fans talk about, well, why aren't we winning this way? And why aren't we blowing everybody out? And Saban's like, we're winning. That's really all that matters at the end of the day, right? We're yes. winning. Um, J- Jalen Milrow, week to week, has has looked better, though. I will say that much. He's starting to improve. Um, the defense, they got a big against Arkansas, and then it seemed like they kind of got a little complacent on both sides of the ball and, and just really got lackadaisical uh, just because they were at home and they still ended up being able to pull one out of just a three-point win against Arkansas. And, and that wasn't, you know, like I said, Arkansas had to come back in that and and, and almost completed it, if not for the, the big third-down sack that Dallas Turner ended up getting on K.J. Jefferson. Um but yeah, the wins aren't overall very convincing. You know, uh, went to Texas A&M, did did get the big uh, win at Kyle Field, uh, but just a six point win. So again, just not they're not putting up these gaudy numbers that we're used to seeing um, on offense, um, and, or have come have have become used to seeing. I'll say because I know obviously Bama in the past, those early years with Saban were really predicated on defense, um, and and now it's just been shifted to where to offense with you know Jalen Hurts and then Tua and then Mac Jones and now um, uh, 
Bryce Young, obviously, as well. Um, so, so the the numbers aren't as uh, aren't as good as as years past. Um, but it, I think that it's still capable for them to maybe end up making a playoff. We'll have to see. I mean, again, only one loss, so they they still have plenty of road ahead of them. Um, that loss to tech uh, to Texas, I, I think they just got overpowered. Texas was the better team. Jalen, you know, wasn't near as comfortable because again, it seemed like. Uh, they, I, I don't remember who who was reporting on it, and, and I was watching uh, the Alabama game, um, and they were talking about how Jalen is just so. I think it was the Arkansas game. Jalen is just so much more confident now because he knows the job is his, so he can go out there and really play his style of football and feel comfortable because he doesn't have that that um, that lingering possibility that he could get pulled. He's the starter. There's no question about it now. Um, he's the best quarterback that they have on the roster. We saw what Tyler Buckner had to offer. Not much, um, um, uh, and, and then Ty Simpson, Simpson. Ty Simpson um, also not as much. Maybe a little bit better than Buckner, but still not much. Not as much as what Jalen offers you, especially with his legs and the deep ball that is accurate. Uh, so, so he keeps your offense flowing at least in that matter. With Tennessee, it's interesting because you're right. Milton just has not really flashed like you expected him to. Only 10 touchdowns, four picks, uh, 1,200 passing yards. You know, you're kind of expecting him. I mean, Jalen Milrow has more passing yards than Joe Milton. And that should say something because, we, again, we, we don't really consider Jalen Milrow much of a passer. Um, you know, he's, he's definitely more of a, of a runner. Obviously, he's still a quarterback, but you don't, you know, you don't really think about his, his throwing prowess when it comes to that. Milton, we talked about the explosive arm the the big cannon that he has uh, you're expecting him probably to have close to 1500 to 15 to 1600 yards you know somewhere around the lines of, uh, of that uh, they're, they're putting up a lot of offense it's a pretty balanced offense honestly uh, they, they they actually are a better run team than they are a passing team so that'll be interesting to see uh, how that ends up playing out and and um It'll. I mean, it's shaping up to be a good one. They're going to Brian. Uh, the balls are going to Brian Denny, and I, and I think a lot of um, uh, a lot of uh, Bama fans and a lot of the players they remember um, that that big that big loss. I mean, it was a big win for Tennessee, but it was a big loss for Alabama. Um, and and I I I think they're really going to be pining for some revenge here. Yeah, you know, I think that. I will say this about the revenge factor. You know, it, it just has kind of fallen a little bit more by the wayside in recent years because Alabama's just not been quite as dominant and they've not been able to to flex at a lot of different times the last couple of years because uh, yeah, I remember even thinking about that about A&M last year. Yeah. And, of course, Milrow did end up playing that game because Bryce Young was hurt at the time and they, they had to win the last – or they had to stop A&M the last play – and they, they don't feel like they have been able to have the, the quite the same teeth. Uh, and, and then, again, this year's team, too, because I just I don't see them ever running away from teams because Jalen Milrow's too possession to possession. Like, if yeah. they really wanted to build out a way to feel a little bit better about the offense and to try to get some space on teams, they need to work on running the ball a little bit better. They started to run the ball better against Arkansas, especially later yeah, in the game. For sure. Uh, but but there have been, I mean, against Texas, they weren't particularly good on the ground. Ole Miss, they just didn't do it a lot, but they weren't awesome. Like, they, they've not been overly impressive. And it's also because they don't call a lot of design runs for Jalen Milrow. And therefore, when you look at his rushing totals, and I don't have them in front of me, but 
he ends up in negative yards most games yeah, because he takes sacks. a lot of sacks. Yeah. A lot of sacks. The O-line's not the best, and then Milrow will run himself around into another sack. And it, it has been a big problem uh, in their offensive uh, part of the game is that they just very – very possession to possession, it seems, with Miller. Yeah, his rushing stats, looking at him right now, 11 carries, again, this starting at Arkansas and, and working back, uh, 11 carries, negative 19 yards, negative uh, 1.7 yards average. Eight carries, negative 31 yards. Uh, this is against Texas A&M, right. uh, negative 3.9. And then he had a positive game at Mississippi State, 11 carries, 69 yards versus Ole Miss, uh, 16 carries, only 28 yards. Uh, and then Texas, 15 y- uh, fifteen carries, 44 yards. So, yeah, you're right. It's just he's, he's yeah. not – I don't think they're utilizing his legs enough, maybe. Right. You know? Yeah, no, they, they've had him in a lot of straight dropbacks. And the good part about his passing is that he delivers a great deep ball. He does. Uh, he does do that. But it's just possession, possession. There's some accuracy issues in the intermediate. He doesn't always trust throwing people open. I've seen him do it once or twice, but it's not something that he does at will. Like, I know he struggled in the NFL at this, but like Mac Jones did that really well, for instance. Like, he he was able to throw it a count early a lot. And I've just not, I've not seen that out of Milrow, but I do think that he is good enough and that I still think they could run the ball better. I think there is room for them to improve there. I think they can. And with Tennessee coming in there, again, I've just not seen what I've not needed to see from Milton. Look, Tennessee's a really good run team. We yes. talked about earlier they lead the NCC in rushing, about 240 yards a game. And what they do really well is they kind of have, based off their alignment, they decide how to run the play. Like you think that, oh, they're going so fast. Like they're – they're, they're, they've already called their play. They've called one of two plays because what they do is they have such these wide splits. These wide receivers are so wide. I mean, they're as wide as you can go on the field that what they do is they make the defense decide, are you going to put an extra person out there or are you going to keep that extra person in the box? And they get to look and they base themselves off of we can see very clearly because we've spread it out so much what everyone is going to do. Like you're not just going to blitz from the corner if you are at the numbers yeah. on the opposite side. Uh, and so, like they they make you make a decision based off where you're going to line up, and then they decide run, bubble screen, something different out of that. And they're very much predicated off of that. Well, I don't love their chances personally of running successfully against Alabama, even with the numbers being a little more conducive to to rushing it. I just Alabama's defense has been pretty darn good this year. They had a stretch against Arkansas. I know it ended up being 24-21. I get it. They had a stretch against Arkansas where Arkansas did not get a first down from late in the first quarter till late in the third quarter. And when they got that first down, it was because of a personal foul yep. hitting him out of bounds. And that was the first first down Arkansas had, had in about two quarters. So Alabama's defense is is really good. And I think that I don't see the path to why Milton would all of a sudden 
have an awesome time of it here. He will. You have to make plays as the quarterback against Alabama. That has never changed. Quinn Ewers did earlier this year, and Daniel sure. Jane Daniels will have the opportunity to do that this year. But I don't see Joe Milton making those plays, and therefore I do not see Tennessee going into Tuscaloosa and winning. And uh, I have no idea. I don't think – again, I don't think it would be a, a non-competitive game. I don't no. think it will go down to the wire necessarily either. Like, I just don't think Alabama has the teeth to blow someone out this year. Maybe like a consistent like 10 to – Yeah, it would always be arm's maybe, length. Maybe maybe a one-possession game. Maybe, yeah, maybe. Yeah, you know. maybe maybe one-possession game. But, but just, I can definitely see about a 10-point game kind of consistent. I don't expect to be halfway through that game thinking, oh, Tennessee's – got a good shot at this thing right. like I, I don't i don't expect that to be the thought i expect the thought midway through to be oh you know it's not over but i just don't think tennessee can pull that you know, right. you know just that that sort of thing so i think alabama wins by about 10 points or so something 31 21 just again yeah, not incredibly high for scoring sure. for sure maybe 27 to 17 something there all right uh again not other big games in the sec arkansas mississippi state i do want to touch on just briefly just because those two teams have yet to play auburn and this the team that loses this game is going to be in a world of trouble to actually making a bowl game again arkansas at two and five on the season mississippi state at three and three and again arkansas uh, again, I, I just hate the situation for them and how quickly it's gone downhill and how uh, bad it's gotten, how quickly. Again, with, with the way they broke on the scene there, I would have thought uh, that Sam Pittman would at least have a few more years of, of treading water. And I never thought they'd get awesome, but I thought they could be an eight-win team uh, more times than not. And they have immediately... Uh, gone in the in the crapper there. I mean, after last year's team lost a couple of heartbreaking close games, and this team has continued to lose close games. And that BYU game is incredibly regrettable earlier this year. But they are at home against Mississippi State. Mississippi State's not exactly setting the world on fire. So, what do you think about this one? Yeah, it's going to be a, a rough one. Still, I, I do think that Arkansas will be able to get this game just because they'll be at home. Um, and I do think that that matters and plays a factor into games. Uh, I, but, you know, other than that, I mean, this team has struggled. <laughs> uh, the five straight losses, you know. Uh, and, and and to say the least, again, it's not against, uh, you know, yeah, going again, to LSU. Yeah, four of them are one tough. possession. Right, and <laughs> four of them are one possession games. Like, it's just games that you, you're saying, man, you – you wish you could have could have finished it and closed it out because then you're looking at a completely different season. Uh, like you said, that one against BYU that's a that's a regrettable loss. That's a that's a that's a bad loss that you really didn't need to have on your record. Um, but you know now you're staring at the at the potential of having six straight losses. And um, like you said, you you would you would have thought that Sam Pittman would have been able to tread a little bit more uh, tread water for a little bit longer, and it just hasn't been the case. And so now. You're you're looking at the end of the schedule, and you you you're facing Mississippi State. You have to go to Florida. That's not going to be fun or easy. You have, you're facing Auburn. That's now looking like a, a game that could be winnable for you um, uh, if you can figure some things out. Then you play FIU, and that and then you get Missouri at home, who is all looking of a sudden like you a will not team. be favored. In right, that game, you're yeah. not going to be favored. So uh, you you got a couple more games here that you can really get some wins. Obviously, FIU is going to be a win, but. You know the one against Auburn, the one against Mississippi State. You gotta, you gotta really buckle down, and even then, you gotta search for. I mean, this is a, a truly a must-win game, and more than likely, even still, 
I don't know how they become bowl eligible because I don't think that they're going to be able to get that win at Florida. So it's going to be tough down the stretch uh, for for Arkansas. They they've um, they've really put themselves in a really really bad position again. Like I said, that loss to to BYU, man. Yeah, that, that's like, just it I mean, can't happen. It can't happen at all, especially at home. Like you you just you just can't. That just is not supposed to happen. Well, uh, and and now, like I said, they've put themselves in an incredibly difficult position. Yeah, I mean, look, that game is going to be the reason they don't make bowl games. Yeah, hundred percent. And last year they went to pro, uh, went to BYU and they won. <laughs> yeah, and they won pretty easily. Yeah, they trounced them. And it, nothing about those programs really changed except for Kendall Bryles right. is not at Arkansas, right. and it's Dan Enos now, and their offense. Has not been particularly good. They're averaging like 320, 330 yards a game. Arkansas's offense has not been good. And and KJ Jefferson should take some blame for that, but also it's the different scheme, it's a different system, and it has not been conducive to success for them. And Rocket Sanders has been banged up a good bit, who yeah, was an all SEC pick in the preseason. And it has just gone wrong. But you should not have lost on your home field a game. Kalani Sataki's not new at BYU. It's not like that was a game change. This is a game changing year for him. BYU's not been the Big Twelve, but one year, so it's not like they're recruiting differently. Like there was no reason to lose that game at home, and now they're going to miss a bowl game because of it. Because even if they beat Mississippi State, like you said, they could like they could still lose really any of those games. I mean, they could easily yeah. lose to Missouri. They could still lose to Auburn on their home field. They could still lose to Florida. Like the just this does not mean they'll make a bowl game even with a win. And even though I did pick them, but certainly if they lose, I mean they're all of a sudden they're two and six, and they'll go about four and eight, three and nine this year. Uh, and then at that point, Sam Pittman's absolutely fired. Mississippi State's point of view, they are three and three. They've got another win in the bank coming later when they play Southern Miss, so they'll they'll be at four, and that's because they did beat their their uh, their non conference team. They beat Arizona, who's actually a pretty competent team, right? Um, but so for Mississippi State, if they can win this and get to win four, they know they'll get a fifth with Southern Miss. Their other stuff is at Auburn, host Kentucky, at A and M, host Ole Miss. So uh, they'll have an opportunity <laughs> with Kentucky, right? Yeah. But talent-wise, they are lesser than A&M, and they go there. Yeah. A&M could be in shambles, but still, talent-wise, they don't hold up. And then Egg Bowl's always quirky. It we'll is. give them that, but Ole Miss is the better team. Absolutely. So they'll be trying to figure out a win versus better teams. But they can do that. But that's why I'm saying the loser of this is not making a bowl no, game. Absolutely not. Because if State goes to 3-4, and four, sure, even if they do upset Auburn, or Auburn or Kentucky win one of those two, you still got to beat A and M or Ole Miss at the end of the end of the season to get that six. So you'd have to you'd have to beat both Auburn and Kentucky, and winning at Auburn is problematic. And beating Kentucky, it feels less problematic than it did. But I still think that Kentucky is a scotch better than Mississippi State. It's still possible State ends up yeah, better. So that that sure. game could be much a toss up. But still, I. Getting to three and four at this part in the schedule would be uh, tumultuous, but yeah, again, the, the, this is this is an, in a in the SEC. The, if this was just Arkansas and South Carolina instead of Arkansas and Mississippi State, this would be the disappointment bowl. But this is a good <laughs> right. this is a good runner up there uh, to that. We're going to take another timeout when we come back. Back to Auburn and Ole Miss. More keys to the game, more matchups to watch out for, and we'll give you our final predictions for Auburn and Ole Miss inside of Jordan Harris Stadium. Stay tuned. More sports call after this timeout.
Sports Call crew wants to hear from you. Give us a phone call at 334-887-3401. I'm Jeff Whitaker, Jr., former Auburn Tigers defensive tackle and national champion, and you are listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Welcome back to Sports Call, Tiger 95.9. Ryan LaVoy and Cam Berry with you here on this Friday, starting to wind down the show for the day and for the week. Again, Auburn Ole Miss coming up this Saturday inside the stadium. And uh, not really enthused at the moment. <laughs> I know you're sleepy, too. I know it's been a long day. <laughs> but uh, yeah, we were going over some of the stats earlier from the passing. And look, we all know it, but and I'm not going to repeat some of them, but uh, it is it is ugly anyway you slice it in the passing attack and you know I, I don't want to give off the impression that that can't be done against Ole Miss's defense we did talk a little bit yesterday about how maybe some people don't realize Ole Miss has played pretty good save for the LSU game they've only allowed right. 24 25 points or less in all the other games they played so they're not giving up mass quantities except for that LSU game but nevertheless, there's still kind of a middle of the pack defense, and middle of the pack defenses have plenty of uh, of holes and have opportunities for the other offenses. It's just coming off a real opportunity against LSU. I just it, it, it's hard to imagine significant improvement. I will say the one pathway here is that LSU still had a couple of individuals, and we talked about it last week. A couple of individuals that can just out-talent you. Yeah. And you can call a dumb defensive play, and they're still going to make a play because some of them are really good. Yeah. Ole Miss has been more of a team-style defense. They do have over 20 sacks. They've got over three sacks a game. I mean, it's been productive. uh, About I think they got 10 more sacks in Auburn this year. But it's been by committee. There's not that necessarily that huge stud that's going to be first-round NFL pick like a couple on LSU's defense. So despite functionally Ole Miss being better than LSU's defense – there's not a matchup that I just think, oh, you've absolutely got to avoid so-and-so or block or, or hold down so-and-so the way that uh, you had with LSU, at least in my opinion. Um, so I, I, I think that that is a, a better thing. You're at home. I'm just trying to come up with the, the positive scenario here, but it's still it just once you start thinking about the quarterback rotation, it just gets hard to – to muster up how all of a sudden it's going to be different here in game seven than it has been in the other four power five games yeah it it does it 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 is hard to really think about you know auburn's chances of winning but i don't know man it's just (laughs) it's so crazy to me but auburn really and truly and i know the woes are there with the passing offense and everything but they just look like a completely different team at home. I mean, they took Georgia to the wire at home. If Brock Bowers does not do what he does in the fourth quarter, Auburn wins that game. I, I you could you could be pretty safe to say Auburn wins that game. So it's just think like factors like that where you can't even quantify with numbers of how that how that affects a football team like the true like the, again I just I you know maintain that Auburn is is really just one of the best home 
field advantages in the country when it comes. I, I mean, it just shows with this team in general and really honestly mostly with teams past where they've struggled kind of in a way situations. But at home, it's like they're firing it on all cylinders and everything seems to kind of go pretty pretty right um uh, and I, I know at the end of the game against georgia you know uh, an interception ended up happening and that kind of ended up costing them the game they weren't able to go drive down and win but still you're taking the number one team in the nation to the wire you're at home uh you know again you're saying your offense struggled but your offense ended up putting up uh what tw- 20 points uh which is i mean pretty decent at this point for what auburn's done um and and you're you're Gonna, I mean, you're facing a much more dynamic offense here uh, against Ole Miss, so that's definitely going to be something that you have to factor in. You're, you're going to have to be able to figure out how to slow them down at the very least. Um, but I, again, I think this defense defense plays with so much more fire when they're at home that I, I think that's going to play such a big factor in in how this game is going to go. Um, and and so I I do think. That there's a pretty I, I I do give Auburn a chance to win this game I I do I give them a pretty solid chance to win this game just because they're at home, um and and uh, I mean that's just how it ends up going the crowd is just so disruptive and you can feel the energy it's a night game as well in Jordan Hare that 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 plays a factor as well it, it's it's something that it, it can't be accounted for number wise numbers wise so I do think Auburn has a pretty good chance I I actually when we did our pick 'em I actually did pick Auburn to win oh wow um, yeah not probably very naively but um <laughs> I I just think again I just think at home they're just I mean they I've I've watched it I've seen it they're just different it's just it's just their way it looks like they're just uh uh, a very uh, anemic and inept program and, and team overall but when it comes to being at home they will defend the home field advantage with like everything in their souls well and it obviously does mean a lot even to the the people in vegas too because after weeks of being more than double digit or being double digit underdogs you're only a six and a half point underdog playing the number 13 team in the country on the heels of losing by 30 to a team that this team beat like Ole miss beat lsu and yet, hey, again, you're only favored to lose by a touchdown. One other thing to keep in mind, we got another call here to get to on the Orthopedic Clinic phone line, is receivers for Ole Miss. So probably you know about Jordan Watkins. He's their leading receiver for over 500 yards, so on pace for a 1,000-yard season. Dayton Wade and Trey Harris are their two and three receivers. Trey Harris is third in yards, but he has – six touchdowns in the year and the reason i bring him up is last week we were talking about lsu's wide receivers and everybody talked about malik neighbors and he was good six catches 89 yards and a touchdown for sure but it was their number three receiver brian thomas didn't do anything it was their number three receiver kyron lacy who had four catches 111 yards and a touchdown and so i bring that up to say you know Ole miss still probably has a clear number one on watkins but wade and harris you can go back and forth on who's two who's three there and those guys I'm honestly a little bit more worried about than Watkins just because of how DJ James play and Jalen Simpson play and the jobs they've done. They've they've shown some evidence of being able to do a pretty good job on on better receivers, but some t- you can't cover everything when you've had an injury here, an injury there, and you don't have the depth, and you've got to generate more pressure with blitzing and that sort of thing. And so sometimes it's the guys that you don't necessarily think as much of 
and that can end up making big plays. 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free 1-888-9-TIGER-9. And join us on the Orthopedic Clinic phone line. We go back there right now. Jeff from Columbus. Jeff is with us. Jeff, how are you this afternoon? Doing great, guys. I know you all are tired and get ready to get out of there, but I figured I'd chime in real quick. Uh, man, uh, ever since the Georgia-Auburn game, I challenge you to go back and read an article or anything like that that Auburn has sent out as far as like 247 or something like that or Steve, or even listen to your radio show and hear them say how, of course, being number one, everybody gets target on your back, right? But, oh, took Georgia to the wire. Couldn't do anything with them, right? Okay, the same thing, okay, Brock Bowers. If you just said it, if Brock Bowers wasn't there, I challenge it would have been, you know, out. We're fixing to find out now because he is out, right? But that's like saying, uh, like when everybody was saying, well, without Cam Newton, you wouldn't have won a national championship. But then the clamor was, well, we had Cam Newton, you know? So, yeah, if your team is better, <laughs> With the players it has on it, what makes it any different than if they didn't have those players? You know, I understand this is a moral victory for Malvern, but it really is. It's kind of, uh, I don't know, that's their, what am I looking for? Their claim to fame this year? Is that the one thing they can hold on to, I guess, is that they took Georgia to the wire? So now if Georgia goes out and went, loses three straight games, then what, you're not going to have anything to hang your hat on? I mean, obviously, to this point, Auburn does not have much to hang its head on, obviously. But, uh, you know, I, I think that uh, obviously that that's true. But I think that also when you're talking about year one of a program uh, and you're talking about who Georgia is and what they've been as a program for a long time, it is somewhat meaningful, not, not necessarily for this year. Still is a loss, obviously. But it is somewhat meaningful to when you're talking about the recruiting part of it and you're talking about the future that you say, yeah, really the only difference in that game was one player. It wasn't that Georgia had 27 better players. It was actually it came down to one guy. And if you feel that that game can come down to just one guy as opposed to a bunch of guys, like LSU, Auburn had no – the way Auburn played at LSU, LSU overwhelmed them from the get-go. You couldn't take one player off that field and, and feel, feel good about it. And just simply with the Georgia game, it did get to a situation where – it was a close enough game to say, well, yeah, Brock Bowers was the difference in that game. Otherwise, it's a dead-even game, and, and who the heck knows how it ends up. And I think that when you're in year one of the program, and obviously you don't have a lot going right, and you don't have a lot of wins, and you don't have a lot to show for it, you do hold on to that to say that's the reason for optimism in the future, that even despite all these problems around us, even all these problems going on, that, yeah, if you can for 60 minutes play with the number one team, a pretty even game and one guy that we all know is awesome with the other team is the difference in the game. It gives you hope that actually it is doable uh, and that you can get back to the place that you want to go. I got you. And, but here's kind of my thing going back to the Cam Newton thing and stuff. Why, how do you know it would have turned out any different if Delts was in there? Because Delts wasn't in there because we had Brock Bowers. Well, because we know who Brock. I mean, to be fair, you don't know his impact level either. Uh, his his impact level, but 
we do know who Brock Bowers is, and it's more of a – I think right. you're taking it as a shot at Georgia, but it's more of a compliment of Brock Bowers and how awesome he is well, that, that he can change games right. like that. Um, but yes. it's just like, sure. I mean, again, we don't know that for sure, and we never will, and it won't matter. Um, and it won't matter in the scheme of things. But it's just when we watch that game, you can identify that that was the difference in that particular game. Could someone else come in and made the difference? Could they have thrown more to McConkie or whoever? Sure. Uh, they, they could have ended up doing it, but just the way that game played out, third and long, that's yeah. who Carson Beck was targeting, and that's who made the big plays. Exactly. Hey, real quick, and, and somebody had mentioned this, uh, do you think if, if Brock Bowers played at the level he has been playing at and played all year instead of being out, do you think he could legitimately, with Caleb Williams and stuff like that, kind of drop it off? Do you think he could legitimately have won the Heisman Trophy as a tight end? I don't think he would have won it, assuming that um, just any one of these, those top guys ended up did, winning, uh, did win their conference and moved on to a playoff or, or something of the sort. I do think he would have had the opportunity to be going to the ceremony, though, uh, because right. like, like I think at this point, you know, the, the guys that are – it's just it, – it's such a quarterback award – that the quarterback yeah. of the top teams, if they have statistical dominance, which many of these guys do, because it's not even Penix. You could look at someone like Jordan Travis or uh, still, even though they lost one, Quinn Ewers still been great this year, Dylan Gabriel. like It just goes on and on and on. Whoever of that group can get their team to the playoff with all these big stats, I think still would have won it. But if enough of those guys lose a game, then absolutely Bowers could have kind of gotten to that third, fourth, fifth spot and gotten an invite. Well, see, and that was kind of my thinking is because, you know, Stetson Bennett went last year after winning a national championship, right? You know, probably didn't deserve to be there. And I was just thinking, you know, I would think Brock Bowers as a total, you know, is for the best, best athlete. Supposed to be, but like you say, it mainly goes to quarterback. So I was just wondering if you thought if, by chance, Georgia does win another championship, if Brock Bowers being healthy and stuff would have a legitimate chance. Sure. But like I, you say, it, 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 it might boil down to, you know, a Ohio State or a quarterback from even somebody if one of the other finalists or something like that. Usually, It's usually, what have you done for me lately? You yeah. know, yeah. that's the only reason I could even think that Bennett was in there. You know what I mean? Sure. So, uh, but, hey. You all have a great show. I'll let you all off tonight. And uh, uh, Ryan, have a safe trip down there, and I guess we'll talk to you all sometime next week. Sounds good, Jeff. Appreciate your phone call. Thank you, guys. That is Jeff from Columbus joining us on the orthopedic clinic phone line. Just a couple minutes left in the show now. We won't take uh, one last break because then we'd – just the math would work differently, and then we'd be down to like 30 or 60 seconds because we'd take more time for – a timeout, but uh, yeah, no, I understand. I understand uh, Jeff's point there that you could you could have that exercise with just about any team in big games, where it's like you take one player off the field, and and yeah, to be honest with you, yeah, Auburn's in need of, of a few moral victories in year one. Now that's not going to fly year two, year three, year four, uh, but Auburn's coming I, again. I, I'll say the number one more time because I know people listen in at different times. Auburn since they last beat Ole Miss. Last time they played them in Jordan-Hare Stadium, 2021. It's not that long ago. Since then, Auburn is 8-15 and overall, and they are 3-14 and against Power 5 competition. 
I get it. Auburn University is not about moral victories. It's not the expectation. It's not the goal. But you've got two seasons of basically being a four-win program because that this is will be the twenty-fourth yeah. game. You'll yeah. be if if Auburn loses That's Ole Miss, rough. you'll be eight and sixteen. So yeah, it, it does feel a little more impactful if you can make the statement that yeah really just one awesome player changed the game otherwise it's a 50 50 toss-up uh and even with that great player was damn near close to 50 50 toss-up uh you know in that one one day you know that that is something that you you pitch to recruits i guarantee you and that was the sentiment too i I recall reading several recruits we read some of them on the air but that the recruits said yeah all, all they needed was one playmaker and i could probably be that playmaker and it's like that's the that's exactly what you're trying to message to these 16 and 17 year olds and this is the only time you do it. you can't do that in year three and year four like once once you've had a few years of it you can't you then have to explain away your own deficiencies Hugh freeze doesn't have to explain why the team's that bad to these recruits right now every it, it's very simple message whether you out there listening right now buy it completely or semi-completely or what it's a very simple message to those recruits we don't have the talent we're gonna get the talent and you're gonna be that talent and once you're in here with my history with my scheme you're gonna excel we will excel and it won't look like this and it's a very simple message I, I did it i gave it to you in 15 seconds um so that's what they're still pitching and that's why that type of georgia game yeah it's a loss and it's a, a loss to a rival it still sinks still sucks it's not that's not the goal but in year one of a rebuilding program that's what you sell and you try and sell it that way so i think that's that's where we're at on that Final couple minutes of the show, like I said. So, Cam, real quickly, uh, final prediction. What does it come down to in this Auburn Ole Miss game? I think it comes down to Auburn's defense redeeming themselves after they said that they didn't play up to their standard um, against against LSU. Uh, I think that they know that they're better than that, especially the secondary. I think that they're very, uh, very, very hard on themselves. Um, and I think they're going to find a way to slow down Ole Miss's offense. I think that um, they're. I, I just think that with the home field advantage, I think that with everything that just comes with a night game in Jordan Hare, um, I think that Auburn wins uh, a low scoring game. Um, I think Auburn wins a low scoring game. I think it'll probably be twenty four to twenty one in favor of Auburn. All right, so you're going to Auburn. I unfortunately I'm going to be less uh, less positive. Yeah, Everybody can be mad at me. It's okay. Yeah, yeah, it's fine. Um, I, I, <laughs> uh, I just think that this offense just still doesn't figure it out yet, right. and I just don't like. Uh, I told you my preference that I, I don't. I just don't think Peyton Thorne's been productive enough to justify that he is a better passer or a better passing option than Robbie Ashford. I sure, I guess I still believe that. It's not that I believe that Ashford is going to be a revelation. I mean, we know what he is as a passer, but we also know what he is as a runner, and we know what Peyton Thorne's not been able to produce as a passer. So, with the knowledge that Thorne's still going to play a lot, I just don't see why the offense is all of a sudden going to wake up and then and then function well enough to win. I, I think that Auburn's defense will have more success against LSU uh, or against Ole Miss than it against LSU because of this crowd, because of the environment. So Ole Miss won't run the game away, but I just don't think Auburn's offense will be able to capitalize on what they need to do. So I think Ole Miss something something in the range that Auburn beat Ole Miss by in 2021, something around that 31 to 20. Uh, 34 to 20, 34, uh, 21, something in there. About a two possession game is what I'm thinking. So I think Ole Miss slightly covers 
uh, in this one. And uh, we don't have time for a nightly TV guy tonight, but uh, that's because we want you to go around to some of these various high school games, a lot of high school games in the area, Smith Station home, Borgard home, a bunch of other teams at home. Of course, we carry Smith Station and Borgard right here in our family station, so a lot of great high school action tonight. That will do it for the show for the day and for the week. Cam, thank you for being here, sir. I hope you have a great weekend, and we'll talk to you again next week. Talk to you next week. That will do it for the show for the day and for the week. As always, we appreciate all those that tuned in and called in. For Brooks Childress, who joined us earlier, and for Cam Berry, my name is Ryan LaVoy. Have a great weekend, and we'll talk to you again next week.